and I'm going up on the corner, walking around this jewelry store, and all of a sudden, boom, on my left, there's three cops just standing there. And you're open container. And I got an open container, and I'm like, at this point, I've been in trouble with the police in high school, been in trouble with the police at Princeton. They're not getting me again. I take one step towards them, and I just go, boom, and I just book it. Oh, and I'm, God. I'm out. All that cross-country training got back to me. Cross-country. Coke, bro. Of course, I'm that dude that doesn't tie his shoes. My, one of my shoes falls off. They have your shoe. Shoe is gone, but I'm free. I'm free. I'm good. We're going back out. So I'm waiting outside on the street, you know, where all the partying's going on. And I'm talking to one of my boys, and all of a sudden, he's like, I just see the look in his eyes like this. And I just feel somebody grab on my belt. You can't run now. Well, I tried. tried. I tried. I'm like, shh. I just remember in my head, I'm like, I can either just go hit him with the stiff arm right here and book it, or just take the L and put my hands up. And I don't know what it was, but I guess something came over me, and I was just like, that's it. I'm good. But then I remember being in the cop car. I'm like, all right, the comeback starts like right now. Oh, you fucking gonna be famous. <laughs> Guys are looking sharp. Zach Dingy, Tony Capoletti, Three Legs Podcast, where we share business tips, interview experts, and travel the world. This week on Two Dudes, Three Legs. Welcome back to the Two Dudes, Three Legs Podcast with your host, Zach Dingy, Tony Capoletti. Today, we sit down with Luke Tim, who has an Spider-Man. amazing story. We go all over the place. This is a long one, but Luke Tim has overcome uh, alcohol abuse. He has an amazing story. He went to Princeton playing wide receiver he was an absolute stud of an athlete and some would say threw it away but now he found his true mission helping people to overcome drug abuse and mental health issues and if you want to follow his story you can find him at luke tim on instagram you find him at luke tim on instagram and he's spider-man in the streets now asking people questions and working out in new york city this man is going to change the world people we're rolling dog all right luke tim Thank you for coming on the podcast. We have been friends for a long time. We may have partied once or two back in our high school days. I never together. got to party with you, dog. Yeah, nope. we we purposely did that. <laughs> Not the first but, time it's happened. But uh, you have had some great stuff on Instagram, and you're you're really starting to share your story and love what you've the overcome. content. So, Appreciate you, my guys. I love what you guys are doing. Seriously, you happy guys to have you here, it. bro. All right, so I'm going to start with a little bit of uh, you know what you've done. You said in one of your videos, in your in your one of your po- um, pin videos, that you hold up. I just forgot what I was going to say. One that's why you got. That's why you got it right hold there. Start, started from the okay. top. That you were a phenomenal athlete and had it all. You're six Look what? At the six guy, three, bro. six four. Walks around seven six foot. five and six a quarter five. and a quarter because yeah. people try to say, "Oh, you're not six five. I'm like in a quarter. Okay, <laughs> that's I like six, that. That's how six five. I, I have the same issue. I tell everyone I'm six foot, and they're like. I'm definitely oh, you're at least six one. <laughs> Just kidding, guys. Five four so, and a half. You had everything. You're a phenomenal athlete, and you quote unquote screwed it up, right? And we'll tell that story a little bit later on. But you sure. screwed it up. People know what you did. The one thing people love more than a victory is, is a, a comeback. comeback story, mm-hmm. baby. Correct. And that is what you have. So let's start with this question. I'll, I'll propose to you. When did your issues sprout? In high school, where you started drinking and used? Yeah, so. Was it younger than that? Seventh grade. Seventh grade. That's probably, middle school. I started drinking every weekend. Where'd yeah. you go to middle school? Holy Trinity. I went to Catholic oh school. I'm a, I'm a Catholic school boy. Oh my goodness. You couldn't tell by the blue fucking suit he showed up for a podcast. I, I show up in it. a little uh, uniform every day. <laughs> so tell us about how you were introduced. Yeah, so. 
for people watching, we had a nice little conversation before about something that was brought up, something that was kind of traumatic in my life. And, you know, I was just going through it. So there were so many different things that were happening in my family, happening around me. Things that are, the internet's not ready to hear yet. Think, yes, not quite. So hold the footage, put it in we'll, the we'll storage, it. put it in we'll the, the SD, keep in the SD card. Mm -hmm. But, you know, a lot of traumatic stuff was going on in my family. I'll leave it at that. And for some reason, I thought, oh, why not just grab a drink? That's what I saw in my life as a way to have a good time, a way to release, a way to Now, was escape. that for, like, in your mind? Because when I was younger, I would drink, but I just did it for fun. Yeah. Was it for you a, you would intentionally drink to deal with problems, like, immediately? Was that your immediate relationship with alcohol? See, I don't think so. I think maybe, I remember one, I think maybe, probably the first time I was why not just grab this drink? This stuff is going on and I've seen people handle it like this. Just why not try just, just grab it. Just for it. fun. Yeah. yeah, and I loved it. It was awesome. Yeah. I mean, I remember the first time I got drunk. Yeah, I was in Gretna Woods in Pleasant Valley and my brothers gave me shots and I'm sitting on the couch waiting for it to affect me. I was way too young, but I had three older brothers. Uh -huh. And then all of a sudden I'm shit faced and I fell asleep on the couch. But How I was like, this is so cool. Bro, I was young. probably really young. I, I was probably like 10 years old. How do you say 12? But yeah. I wasn't drinking regularly. It was yeah. like, whatever, we're having a family yeah. house party. My brother's like, let's fucking give Tony alcohol. That's funny. <laughs> yeah, once once we started, it was every weekend from there. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. So, That's not what it was like for me. Yeah. It, off, we like, the, off the is, jump. This is awesome. This is what we've been missing. In seventh grade, though. Yeah, seventh grade. Oh, and, yeah. End of seventh grade. It was probably springtime. I was into some bad shit at that age. Yeah. I was doing ecstasy. I was hanging out with some you're a little head. bad people. Well, you have four other brothers, so. I wasn't doing it with them. No. <laughs> okay, then. <laughs> I Usually, I hope not, man. I was doing some crazy, I don't know how I never got sucked hey, into hey, this. Some <laughs> no, At least it wasn't your brothers. Not for right. my brothers. No, 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 no. That was just hanging out with the wrong crowd. Yeah. And I got into some weird, like when I was way too young. Mm. Like on my 14th birthday, I remember I bought a fucking eight ball, like with <laughs> my birthday money. Wow. Like, go get new shoes. Nah, I think I'll get an eight ball. I'm going <laughs> to blow this thing down. Yeah. yeah. But you luckily, like, I, I used it as a lesson. Like, I, I somehow I woke up to it. It was after my buddy almost cut his father's head off with a katana um, because he was high on dust. They started using dust. Angel dust. And then I was like, once that came around, I was like, wait a second. I can't be doing this shit. Right. So I was done hanging out with them kids before high school ended. Wow. Uh, but I'm lucky. I never got addicted to yeah. any of the shit that we did. I just tried it and it was fun and maybe too fun, but I yeah, walked they, away from they it. Say that, they say that people that have alcoholic addictive tendencies, by the time they're 27, most of them grow out of it. Over half of them grow out of it. So, Interesting. Because they started so young? Um, I, don't, I don't even know if it's a young thing. I think it's just a culture thing, you know, and then all of a sudden you get to a certain point in your life and you want to start a family, you know, it's just mm -hmm. different, a different... Uh, uh, you know, point in your life, and you're just yeah. okay. I yeah. have different priorities now. Because right. I only I had like a is. six month rampage at like 18 years old when I yep. just did every drug under the sun and partied hard for like six months. I'm like, all right, I'm done before mm. I even hit 20, you know? Yeah. And again, I think the same thing for me was like, all right, I probably shouldn't be doing all this. And I realized it. And I'm like, let's turn this off before it gets yeah. too dark. That's, yeah. how, you know? that's how I felt. I always yeah. felt about it. The way I felt about it was, I'm glad I got it out of the mm. way. Although not to say I didn't party 
in my early 20s. I still partied a little, but yeah. I knew when to turn it off. For so sure. You, you got into it at 12, you start drinking. 12. So are, you, drinking. are you having thoughts of like, I'm- Habitual drinking at 12 years old. Yeah, once or twice a weekend. Wow. Hard, hard shit, like just straight out of the bottle. Yeah. Wow. And you're having issues right off the bat or first it's um, all fun and games? I mean, it was it was fun, but there was definitely just getting in trouble, like in the neighborhood and stuff. But you know, cops would kind of be following us, and we we lived right in the outskirts of the city of Poughkeepsie. It wasn't we weren't in the hood, but we were you know right there. So we would kind of go in those areas, cause a little bit of trouble, get you know, and get our little run-ins. But at that point, it wasn't we weren't doing any criminal shit besides getting drunk, right? You know, and being dumb. Yeah, I remember one time there was a point where the cops showed up in my house. Cause of some crazy shit, we, <laughs> you know, I might as well tell the story. Let's hear it. We're on the podcast, but y'all remember uh, Omega? Yeah. Yes. Omega video chat. They still do it, yeah. but it's called something else now. Yeah. So we were like twelve years old. Just so everyone knows, Omega is when they you would come on with video, yeah, and it would randomly select someone anywhere yeah. in the world, yeah. and you'd yeah. be on video chat with them, and then yeah. you hit a button and it would send you to someone else. Yeah. Okay, so you're on Omegle. So on Omegle, and again, I think I need to be a little vague for this story, but we were doing some crazy stuff, drunk and whatever, and you're just, you know, it's your, on there to do. If you're watching, you know what that stuff. Being boys. Be, yeah, being boys. And my parents get a, a knock on the door, like during the middle of the day, or actually my brother and sister answered the, the door. And they're like, we need to talk to your parents. My brother and sister are like, what are, you, what are you talking about? They're like, yeah, it's something about your brother. And so my parents get a call from them saying, hey, there's police at your house. Like, you need to come. And I wasn't home. And crazy thing was my mom's brother passed away when he was 19. And they found out, like, by the police giving them a call on the phone. Oh, jeez. So, you know, they told me afterwards that they get that call and they're thinking. Instant trauma. Luke is dead. Yeah, yeah. You know, and I was already like a troublemaker just doing dumb stuff. Um, so that was their initial thoughts. They get back to the house and it was like, is this your son? And it's just me doing something really stupid on camera. <laughs> That's all I could say. What, did you omegle with an FBI agent? Basically, probably. I don't know. I, luckily, I never had to talk to them, but I was like 13 years old. Oh and my God. Yeah, that was, uh, that was pretty horrific. Um, was it drugs? Was it nudity? Can you give me something? I mean, like, I'm gonna it's, take a guess that he had his piccolo out. Yeah, that's <laughs> my guess, right? Yeah, that's my guess. That's just my guess. Yeah, I don't you, know. but it's just a guess. You okay. know what I mean? So you, he will not confirm Fair. or deny. I would never. Yeah, no. Okay. I, and that's that was me. you're 14 years old, 13. 13. Years old? Yeah. Before and when you're school. when you're drinking at this age, is there drugs or does that get introduced at another stage? Weed when I was 15. Yeah. And then yep. total stoner at the age of 16. Yep, junior same. year, just smoking every single day. First it was like just after school type of stuff. And then it was before, senior year, it was before people had the dab pens. We were taking the, we were getting tons of wax in like a, t a tub. I remember ordering 11 grams of wax and we would bring that into school, have the G pen, me and my one other, other buddy. And we had, Lords is pretty strict. I don't know about other public schools, but you couldn't, more, more than one person couldn't go to the bathroom at a time and you know, whatever people monitoring the halls, but we'd always hit each other up and be like, yo, bathroom. And he, for some reason, all of our classes were on the same hall, but not in the same class. So we would just go to the stall and just rip like whatever. And it a couple, wouldn't stink? How do you get away I, with that? It was that? just, you know, it like, the, yeah, it's got a, it's got a kind of a wax. smell to it. But back then it wasn't like everybody had those. So no, nobody, really nobody knew. knew. 
You know, nobody knew the smell. I guess so. I'm a little older. We were smoking middies. If you lit up middies in a school, they'd yeah, evacuate no, the yeah, building. That's a little different. Right. That's a little different. Yeah, you take one hit in school. And Fucking $30 for five grams, smoke it, and you're like, you're so yeah. <laughs> Lose fucking 40 brain cells per second. Yeah. So basically, I was just a freaking, you know, a dud walking through school all day and then still doing sports and shit. So. But you were able to be a, a performing athlete, yeah. not just like a run of the mill athlete. You were like a star athlete smoking weed and drinking on the weekends. Yeah. That's how it was. And that's why I never thought of it as a problem because even though I got in a lot of trouble, you know, maybe we'll go into some other stories, but I got into a lot of trouble in school and a couple of times with the cops before, you know, I even got to Princeton when I got in more trouble. Um, I was just like, what do you mean it's a problem? Like people would tell me, I'm like, what do you mean it's a problem? Look at me and look at you. I had a, I had a big ego mm. and, um, you know, I think a lot of that came because I feel like when I was younger, I didn't really have a spotlight on me when I was, you know, eighth grade, ninth grade, even 10th grade. I was like a cross country runner. I just started playing football as a 10th grader. And so I think I never, I kind of was just like a goofball in school and I kind of got, you know, I was funny, but I definitely got picked on a little bit too at the same time by like older kids. Cause you're trying to be cool with the old guys. Mm -hmm. And then you become that guy, you know what I mean? So I won't think I wasn't necessarily an asshole to anybody, but I just think when people try to tell me like what I should do, what, who you Drove tell you me nuts. what to do. Yeah. And you, that's crazy though. I didn't know that you didn't start football until 10th grade. 10th grade, And now yeah. you, for the people who don't know, obviously a lot of people watching this aren't from Poughkeepsie, but when you started playing football at Lords, Dean Rogers is the quarterback, yep. you're the wide receiver. It was like, everyone in Dutchess County knew and was going to those games. They were the biggest games ever. Yeah. So you go from being like a nobody really to, you know, the number one receiver and the number one quarterback in Dutchess County and you guys are destroying yep. every team and you're getting all this praise and all this hype and people are telling you to stop doing drugs. Yeah, so. people are like, come on, what are you doing? And, you know, the people close to me knew I was, you know, people knew I was partying, but then people close to me knew I was smoking a lot of weed and just, you know, just not doing the right things. And I was like, who are you to tell me what to do? Look at me. Like, I got all these looks. I'm doing fine in school. Meanwhile, I'm cheating the entire time. You know, and I was always a great student in school. Yeah. That was the thing. But I got to high school, and I, all I cared about was being funny, partying. You, you have know, any girls. reservations about what you did when you were younger? I know I certainly have. Yeah, I mean, like, I don't dwell on it, but there's some times where I'm like, if I knew what I knew now, for all the kids listening, if I knew what I knew now, I would... I, it's not like I would never drink or knowing myself, yes, I wouldn't have drank in high school. I still wouldn't have done it. But I would have taken school more seriously. As, yep. as boring as school is, as much as it sucked, I would have taken it seriously. I, the sports, I would have gone harder on the out. Like I, whenever I was in practice, I always went hard. I was the hardest working one there. Nobody could take that from me. But it was hard to get me like to the spring lifts or to the summer camp or whatever it was. Mm. So I was like, oh, I'm out with this chick. I'm out doing this, partying, smoking, it's hard to get me there. So I didn't have that like, oh, put me with the work in the after hours. But you know, you don't realize that even though, what is school gonna do? That was my thought, what is school gonna do? Yeah, learning about social studies is not gonna do me anything right. besides maybe knowing a story. Too, that was my mentality as well. But you See, take those I, habits everywhere you go. I think yeah. that's what you just said about the ego is so unique because what made you so good also made you so bad. Mm. Your ego was the reason why you would go to practice and you were number one because you had that sickening work ethic yeah. and you wouldn't let people outdo you. But your ego is also the reason why you do the bad things, you know? 100%. What's your, what's your, uh, 
your thoughts on your ego today? Like, what do you think? What, do you think ego is the enemy? The book ego is the enemy or, or ego is a good thing? I think it's both. Mm-hmm. I think if I didn't care about what other people thought, if I didn't, you know, I'm not going to sit here and say, oh, I don't, man, I don't care what people think about me on social media or in person. Like, yeah, I want people to like me, of course. And I want to do things that people are like, oh, wow, that's cool. So I'm not going to sit here and lie and say, oh, it's all for just to be a good person and to, you know, whatever, and have fun. But if you also let that stuff control you and that is your main focus of, oh, I just want to impress everybody, then at the end of the day, it's like, you're not going to be happy. Like, just You're not even living for yourself at that point. No. The person you are in general, you're just, even if you can hide it to other people, you're just like, you're a shitty person underneath. Mm. And it's got to feel like crap. You know what I mean? Well, listen, we'll talk about what you're doing on social media in a little bit, but I think... Uh, my whole life philosophy is like the person with the best stories at the end of their life wins at life. Yeah. Mm. So I think a lot of the stuff you did when you were in high school and when you were in college and your crazy stories, obviously some are extreme and you wish you could take back. But yeah. for the most part, you had to do all that to be able to be on social media now helping people, telling people, hey, listen, I know what you've gone through. I remember these thoughts and these problems I had. And that's why I can relate and help you and do this, you know. And what I said before about how hap- how life happens for you, not to you. Mm. You know what I mean? Like you, everything you did being six foot five, being a freak athlete and maybe potentially going to the NFL if you took it more serious could also be your best blessing that it didn't happen. And now you have this life pass where you're Spider-Man in the streets of New York City interviewing people, <laughs> Yo, <for real. laughs> which we'll talk about it's later. Like, how do you look at this but, glass right here? You know what I mean? It's that's that's the, like they say, half full, half empty. I mean, yeah. that's that's a little bit more than half. But, <laughs> you know, it's that's 100 percent. And I've always had a positive outlook no matter what, even when I was going through the ringer. Right. Like I was kicked out of Princeton. Um, I was coming home. There was news articles people would be on Google and there'd be little Google ads running on the side, local star arrested. I was on the local news channel, Mm. all these different things. Like people were sending messages to my parents. And you said this was when you got into college or? This is is when I got arrested at at Princeton. Well, let's let's talk about about that transition a little bit. So you're in high school, you did fucking phenomenal in your football career. You're the star. Broke four state records. Really? Yeah, all all these Give us some accolades at Lords. Okay, so I had, I think my senior year, I had over 1,600 yards. That was a state record. I had the most catches in a game ever. That was 18 catches. I had the most catches in a state game ever. That was 18 catches. Wow. Most yards in a state championship game as well, 280 yards. And all while drinking Rogers? and smoking weed. <laughs> drinking and smoking weed, baby. That's, that's the, that was the problem because yeah. I'm like, what do you mean? This is But apparently it wasn't a problem in high school. Right. So now let's talk about the transition to college and yeah. where it became and I just a wanna, I also issue. want to say, like, if it wasn't for God-given talents, you know, it's like, really, like, where would I have been? Most people that were doing those things weren't able to achieve those, what I was doing. Mm. And I also, when I say that, I'm like, yes, a lot of God-given talents, right? Like, just being naturally six foot five and being able to run fast, like, and you a quarter. And a what? And a quarter. And a quarter. And a quarter. <laughs> you said that before. Try to get Six it five and a quarter. Also, I worked my ass off from the time I was like four years old all the way up until, you know, when I really started drinking was actually kind of one of my work ethic dropped off in mm. the classroom in sports. Um, it's, I, I was a cross country runner up until from my freshman year of high school. I was like top 10 in the nation. As a, I ran a 430 mile at the age of 14. Wow. But I was, I was six foot three and 130 pounds. I was like this You thick. were a stick figure. A stick. Um, but when my dad 
when I was really young, my dad would go to the track and he would run around, around the track and he'd bring us and he would like bring a football for us and just be mm. like, all right guys, stay in the middle of the track and, like while dad runs. And I was three or four years old and I didn't want to leave by my dad's side. So I would chase after him and I would be running last with him. Yeah. At, at what age? Uh, three, four. So you're probably my height around then? <laughs> <laughs> probably an inch or two taller. But, uh, <clears throat> and uh, five foot out of the womb. But that's where my running started. And I was doing uh, local races in this area, the Dutchess County Classic. Have you guys heard of that race in I this area not. or no? no? No. So like for anybody that runs, it's the biggest race. And they would have this kids race the mile. And every summer we would train for that race. And there was like a couple really good runners that came out of Poughkeepsie that went and ran in college. And I would like look up to them and be like, all right, I want to beat those times. And so, you know, my last time I ran it, I got that record by like a second. It was wow. like a 534 mile. Um, when I was 12. So I was a runner. I, well, I was a runner, but then I also played baseball, soccer, basketball. I played football when I, up until like third grade, you know, but yeah. stopped when I was young. But yeah, yeah I had a great work ethic, and I, but I didn't really carry that into high school, like the going above and beyond. When I was there, like you said, it was Jordan mentality. I'm gonna outwork anybody that's in this room. And everybody knew that too. Like, mm -hmm. and that's I think what gave me the edge. So it was like, yeah, I'm, I'm lazy because I don't want to put the extra work in. But when I was there, it was like freaking home. So correct me if I'm wrong. Princeton's the Ivy League school. Yeah, yes. Princeton's Ivy League. So what is it like? Like in high school, what was your GPA? Were you still killing it? Three, four, five. Like a three, four, five was my GPA Got overall. It. So you're still doing good though in class. In yeah, high I was school? doing fine. But in, in grade school, I was like high 90s. Yeah. You know, so for me to get a three, four, five, like I really had to not try yep. at all. You yep. know what I mean? Like exactly came, how I did it. I fell off big time in high school when I started too. hanging out with the wrong people. I was yeah. I was wrestling like top tier. Actually, the day I was supposed to wrestle for varsity, I got into a fight mm. in the cafeteria, and then I quit because I was like, "If I'm not wrestling varsity, I'm not fucking wrestling." Fuck yeah. that. So that yeah. ended that for me. But tell us about going to Princeton. That's an insane experience in itself as Nuts. a star athlete. Yeah, well, you're a, a star. Pressure. You're a star in Poughkeepsie, right? And then you know you think show up in Princeton and now you're just regular Joe Schmo. I'm regular Joe Schmo. I'm below regular Joe. I'm, not, I'm nowhere near regular really? Joe Really? It was like there. that. I think it's funny because I went into Princeton. I didn't train. I trained for maybe three or four days before I left. Yeah, that's not training. That's not, doesn't count. It's like, <laughs> oh yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm dieting. I started yesterday, you know, it's like, I didn't, you know, I haven't done anything yet. Didn't look at the playbook once, nothing. So we show up, it's the first day, it's conditioning. And it's like this conditioning test is, you have to go 25 yards and back in seven seconds, under seven seconds every time. But you only get like a 30 second break in between. So the first five, oh, this is easy. But that break is so short that all of a sudden you are just starting to get gassed. Mm. And a, a third of the guys fail it. And these guys are training all summer. But luckily my cross country self, I came, I was smoking weed every single day. Oh my God. Didn't train at all, but I had the cross country long legs, skinny, and I just, barely passed it wow but then that was that was me it was just when i got to princeton just barely getting by and everything you know just going underneath the radar on the meetings you know barely it's like everything was just doing enough barely passing and in your mind at this time is that even a problem or you think hey this is college i'm just doing it i'm just yeah, out it's here just, it's just college so it's never an issue doesn't in your matter mind. i'm just going to graduate from princeton and you know get a job like everybody else yeah, it doesn't matter. My GPA doesn't matter. I'm just going to have a good time. I'm going to meet people. And so I 
kind of thrived on that because I had that reputation on the team and like some people loved it. Like Luke yeah. Tim's the crazy party animal. He doesn't Ooh. care. Like he's just out there, does what he wants, says whatever. And then the other guys that were trying to win a championship were like, this fucking guy. Like he doesn't, right. didn't come in. He didn't look at the playbook. He didn't work out. He's a detriment to our team. Yeah. So I had some people look at me like they love me. Some people were like, you know, fuck this guy. And so there's, you know, made some enemies right in the beginning yeah right from the start and it's funny i'll tell stories um you know i go to princeton i'm like oh, you know what? i'm done smoking weed that's what i that's what i thought i'm like you know what i do need to stop smoking weed so i did have realizations when i was young that okay i shouldn't be smoking this much weed so i'm probably like a couple of days clean not smoking and you know all of a sudden you're in camp and you meet some people and you know, we're just talking like oh yeah you know yeah we like to smoke here and then i'm like you, you like to smoke. I'm like, I like to smoke. No, you guys don't like to smoke. Like, I like to smoke. Like, on my accepted students day at Princeton, 420, it was on, it was on 420. Oh, God. I bought, a, my, I bought my bong with my dab attachment. And fucking went I never shit. dabbed in my life. Yeah, oh, so God. I don't think I need that. You Dabs don't. Are no joke. I don't you need don't that. You don't need it. I was just like walking around brain dead. <laughs> so I was just, I was doing all these things to get that reputation. I loved it, but... You know, looking back, I'm like, it, it's stupid. It's stupid. But whatever, that was me. So one day, we're all in my dorm. A bunch of people, I won't say if they're on the football team. I won't say who they are. But a bunch of people are smoking. And cops come, knock, knock. And they're like, one of you has to take the fall for this. So you know me. The I'm fall that for guy. what? I'm that guy for everybody smoking in, in the dorm. Oh, I'm sorry, did, oh, I, didn't, oh. did I not even get to that? You know, you Guys, we were talking about smoking. <laughs> so I was just like, yeah, you know, we're just going to assume we were all smoking. I thought and they were like, yeah, you got to take happened. the fall. No, 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 luckily, nothing crazy like that. And so right off the bat, I, I had a story of getting caught with the police, and I had to go address my head coaches. Oh, shit. Before freshman year even started, my head coach was like, do you have a problem? I'm like, no, like, I really don't. My head coach is the man, absolute man. I'm just like, no, I'm good. Like, he's like, all right, like, I trust you. But and then like the next morning I had to, they made me run at like 6 a.m. Tons and tons of times up and down the field, like almost till I was throwing up, stuff like that. Mm -hmm. So there was just like, that constant. But that didn't stop on. you from going back and smoking weed. Oh no, not at all. I probably smoked right after that. <laughs> oh my like, God. Like the next moment. Like I got, went to the station, got my fingerprints done, mug shot. Yeah. And the, and the school, like, I don't even know. Cause it was like the school police, but. I'm I, surprised I they allowed you to stay on the football team. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I kind of, I always was like a good actor, I feel like. Good at getting your good at, out of shit. Yeah, I'm a good finesse, yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel like. So I was always like, you know, like I really, I really care and it's just, you know, it was something stupid and it's like, all right, they believe me, but on the shit list right from the jump. Yeah. And so tell that was my us, reputation. Tell us about the party scene at Princeton. The party scene is interesting. So we have these things, they're called eating clubs. They're basically a bunch of huge frat houses, all from 1800s, early 1900s gigantic mansions and it's on the strip called uh prospect ave and you know princeton is you got like tons of different types of crowds you got obviously your nerds makes up a huge amount of the people yeah you know you got your partiers that are just straight up do tons of drugs which like i wasn't really part of like they're just like tripping all day and you know a little out there yeah like princeton huh you got your bros, the athlete clubs, there's a couple of those, like that's kind of where more where I fell in. You know, so you got your different places. And then, so 
everybody that's called bickering. It's like, you know, pledging for the frat and then people join these eating clubs. And so like, you got to get on the lists and whatnot every single night when you go out. So if you're on the football team, though, people, you know, you usually know people that are in one. It's not that difficult to get in. But some of them are super exclusive, like legit. Everybody's worth a hundred million dollars to, you know, billions. Like I would oh. say almost everybody. Yeah. Princeton was like a culture shock because almost every, I'd say majority of people have money, like real money, mm-hmm. old money, millions on millions of dollars. And so when people talk, it can sometimes just be out there. Like, oh, I was vacationing in here in Europe and then, oh, we took our jet to here and then we did this and then, and then, but it's just super normal. It's like as if we were talking about going to the corner store and, right. and grabbing a, a, a six pack. It's a wild wow. lifestyle. You know, like you meet people like, like, I know the amount of billionaires I've met at Princeton, like legit billionaires, they'll be on Forbes lists. There's a, a ton. That's incredible. Yeah. That's incredible. I'm sorry to get off tangent, but I gotta go back. Why'd you pick Princeton? Why'd you go to Princeton? It was Princeton's the number one school in the country. I think it's been like number one in like 11 years in a row or something like that. So it was- Really? Yeah, the best school in the country, undergrad-wise. Yeah, everyone thinks freaking Harvard. They're like, oh, Harvard, Yale, you know, but those schools, they have a big big grad programs and, and their undergrad is a little bigger as well. So that's what they have like a wider alumni network because it's just mm. more people. But Princeton's only like 5,000 people. It's a little smaller. Got it. But their main focus is on undergrad. So that's why our program for undergrad is deemed the best every single year. Got it. So okay. it was the best for that. In the Ivy League for football, we were top two or three every single year. Yep, I know that. Wasn't far from me. Campus was beautiful. The coaches loved me. Like they, I have in my basement on the walls, there's like 40 um, little things of mail that have Princeton on it with handwritten notes from the coaches hmm. because they wanted me to come. So just stuff like that where it was kind of a no-brainer. And yeah. it's funny because I almost didn't go to the camp to get me into Princeton to play. Like I didn't get an offer because like just through my play, it was also because I went to the camp and earned the scholarship on the spot because they want to see you play. Like they want to see you in person and Mm -hmm. really size you up. And so I remember I had a pretty beat up ankle that summer and it was mostly due to the fact that I was too lazy to rehab it, too lazy to work on it. And so that was my excuse to not train too. So I'm like, oh, my ankle hurts, I'm not gonna train. But then I was too lazy to even rehab it. So I was kind of just sitting on the couch all summer and then I would just go to a camp like once a week, you know? And so I remember the Princeton camp was coming up and I was like, dad, I really don't want to go. And my dad has never made me do anything in my life. And people always say to my dad, wow, you must've made your kids work so hard. And it's like, I never told them to work out one time in their life. And that's a fact. Mm. I think it was, you know, him running at the track, me just following him, him, mm-hmm. he would play hoops in, in leagues and I would just go watch, you know? So I want to be like my dad, you know yeah. what I mean? So. That's really what it was, was following his, his footsteps. But then all of a sudden, this one time in my life, for some reason, he was like, no, like, come on, you're going to this you're camp. Going, yeah. And I'm like, and thank right, God fine. he did. Thank God he did. Yeah. Because I, I've had the best, that was the best camp I had by far. For some reason, every, it was almost like divine intervention, I'm telling you. Like anything that touched my hands was a catch. Like I wasn't a great one-handed catcher. My coach was always like two hands. Old fashioned, I mean, that's the way to go. Use two hands. Like, why I try to be fancy? But for some reason, it was just everything it was just like <laughs> meant to be, bro. It was meant to be. And they just like off me right in the middle of the camp. And so, wow. how did that feel? Tell us about that feeling. Yeah, it felt good, man. I mean, I was just I'm out there. You remember catching. that moment? Yeah, I, I do. I remember when they pulled me aside and they were like, "Yeah, we want to give you a spot." You crying? Um, you sweating? What's you're up? You're not crying. You're just like, Holy, like this is wow, real. This is you know, real. this is definitely real. And I actually. 
I basically my day was done because my ankle was pretty beat up. So I, I did a little bit more after that. I did a couple one on ones, but you know they saw all they needed to see. They're like, "You're good for the day." Because I told them it was beat up, but yeah, it was definitely a surreal moment for sure. And so once I had that, and I saw how much they were pursuing me, I'm like, "Why even look anywhere else?" And I got this. I got you know I talked to the guys on the team. I had official visits, and I was like, "You know what? This is this just, is it. Yeah, this is it." All right, you know? so. Let's get back to the party scene. What's the party scene like? The you got these scene. eating clubs. You're meeting billionaires. Meeting What's billionaires. Like? Tell us how that goes sour. <laughs> <laughs> so the thing that's dangerous about these eating clubs is that the beer is on tap, free. Hey. From you know the time the party starts to the time the that's party ends. That's your alcohol ends. of choice in college? Beer? Well, that was the free alcohol, but yeah, you know, I mean, Anything it was, you can get your it was I think before it was more so just taking a hand, carrying a handle around and chugging it from the bottle. Oh. I love I was that guy that I could chug the most out of anybody. Like I could take a bottle and like, you know, Steve will do it type stuff. Yeah, yeah. Like that was me. Cause I always was drinking hard stuff since I was 12 years old. Like vodka, tequila was your drink of choice. I didn't, it didn't matter. Okay. Like I never, I don't think I got to the point. alcoholic. Yes, <laughs> true alcoholic. I never got to the point in my life where I was able to actually enjoy the actual taste of drinking. Mm -hmm. It was literally just to get hammered. I'd like For beer, beer tasted good, but. It wasn't like, oh, my favorite beer, like, yeah, like Rona's with the lime, like under the sun. Great. <laughs> I remember those hit I'll good. I'll take it. I don't really remember like much about it. It's been so long, but I know Rona's with the lime cold under the sun. Yeah. Those are different. That's so, a good one. Right those there. are different. That's a good <laughs> let's, one. Let's get into when this becomes a big problem in college. Yeah. So, you know, I got in trouble that one time and then it's just partying and I'm hanging out with all the guys that love to get it messed up yeah of course you know you hang out with your own company so we i remember just, we would just be like who's blacking out tonight i'm like you know we're all like we're blacking out you know that was the that was the mentality it was never like oh let's just go out and have it was like no nah, we're getting bombed every time you know so like there would just be blackouts things you don't remember and you would just hear some crazy stories and it's just like dude what was i doing and like some of them were not cool you know like things that i'm like i don't i don't like that at all Mm. but whatever like oh you're drunk you're drunk it's fine are you blacking out off just alcohol yeah like i wasn't that crazy actually freshman year with coke i did it here and there but yeah. um yeah it was mostly just getting hammered off of booze and I, I would always like roll up blunts too and bring those out um yeah i had always had a lot of weed on me and drugs on me there's certain types of people that have a lot of those stuff on them at all times because they're doing something with it. Again, we'll be vague about that. <laughs> always had a lot of weed. Oh, you know, always was that guy. So, yeah. you know, why not make some money? I, well, I didn't say make money off it, did I? No, no, you didn't. No, say I that. didn't say that. No, but you might have. No, maybe. <laughs> Can't remember. But so I was waking up, smoking, going to Spanish class. You know, stone. Oh, Hablo wow. Espanol. <laughs> Soy Luke. Me amo Luke. And I'm just sitting there. I'm like, oh, I'm actually, I get it. I probably, it was probably like. Yeah, not saying what you said. Static saying. on the other end. Didn't even understand a <laughs> thing. But go to practice, stone, everything stone. Like, that was just how I did it. And, but it was, in my freshman year, I didn't, I wasn't competing for a job because I didn't know the plays. But it was like on scout team, I was, same deal, still balls to the wall. Like, they were like, yo, okay, like Luke Tim, he doesn't know shit about the plays. But this dude works his ass off, yeah. and I brought. So energy. you're performing on the field. Yeah, like I wasn't performing for a starting spot, but I wasn't. At the same time, I was a shithead. Like a lot of people thought of me as a shithead 
the guys that really care. But at the same time, they also saw me on the scout team cooking them, yeah. like really working hard, like every play running my route as hard as I could. Mm-hmm. Okay. So like there was some respect, like, okay, Luke, he doesn't care enough to learn the plays, but like when he's actually, we can actually get him here, he's good. Okay. You know? So how long does this go on? How many seasons did you get? I got a, I got a season out. Go go into the you know spring happens we have spring ball football and that's kind of like a mini football season. Go into the summer and I'm like all right I'm gonna stay over the summer, work on my game, take a class. And I I actually remember not smoking that much weed that summer. I was working out with the guys and that's when people actually were like, Yo, Luke Tim is, Luke Tim is actually nice at football because it was kind of hidden because I just didn't give a shit. And they're like, Yo, Luke Tim is cooking right now. Like I'm like yeah no I am actually good. I kind of forgot about that you know, and. I remember I hurt my ankle at the end of the summer and I was, dude, I don't know what it was, but I just remember being like, you know what? I think I'm going to take some time off from football and just focus on school. Oh God. Jeez, Luke, what were you thinking? So I take some time off from the team. I'm, like, I'm going to focus on my grades. Cause I had a one seven cumulative GPA. Not oh good. My. Not good. Not good. <sighs> so I'm, like, I'm going to focus on school. So what do I do? I get back into school and Start smoking weed every second of every day again. Oh my goodness. Start doing blow Thursday, Friday, Saturday night. Heavy. Had it on me at all times. Um, so I'm getting really into the party scene, like big time. And you know, it was, it, it was fun. I'm not gonna sit here and be like, man, it wasn't fun. Cause like, I remember it definitely being a good time for sure. Comes at a cost. It comes at a cost a hundred percent. And I was doing a frat, all this stuff. And, but frats weren't like a, above ground thing they were underground so it was kind of like a secretive thing but all that hazing and whatnot you know and it was fun it was definitely a good time but then it got to the point one night doing a bunch of blow and all of a sudden i remember being the last person there because i had to get my last line in before i went out i'm like oh i don't i don't think i got my line in. like what am i doing so you know chop a fat one do that look up nobody's there i'm like oh shoot i gotta go so about to walk out the door and all of a sudden I see a beer. I'm like, all right, let me take this with me. Take it, walk out, go down the flight of steps. And I'm off campus at this point, an apartment, but campus is right across the street. And I'm going up on the corner, walking around this jewelry store and all of a sudden, boom, on my left, there's three cops just standing there. And you're open container. And I got an open container. I'm like, what's up officers? <laughs> like, can we see an ID? I'm like, oh, I don't have an ID. So the, the cop goes, oh, all right, go over there. They're gonna, they're gonna talk to you to these other cops that were 10 feet behind him. At this point, I'd been in trouble with the police in high school, been in trouble with the police at Princeton. I'm like, they're not getting me again. <laughs> so I thought, and I'm, I take one step towards them and I just go, boom, and I just book it. Oh and I'm, God. I'm out. All of a sudden. All that cross country training got back to me. Yeah. Cross country. Coke, bro. Yeah. That Coke, Coke cross country. country. country training. <laughs> that shit kicked right away. I just go boom. And of course, I'm that dude that doesn't tie his shoes. My, one of my shoes falls off. Oh my and God. And I just, all of a sudden, my shoe's gone. And I hear a cop. He's like, we got a 314. We got a 314. <laughs> and this dude's chasing me. And I'm just. And I'm trying to kick my shoe off as I'm running, but I couldn't get it off. So I'm running with one shoe. Quarter mile later, I probably turn around. Nobody in sight, gone. So they have your shoe. My shoes. My shoe's gone. <laughs> shoe is gone. But I'm free. I'm free. I'm good. I go back to my room. Probably do a little bit of something else. Change my shirt. 
throwing a hat. Oh. I'm like, we're going back out. <laughs> and so head back out to where I was telling you about Prospect Street. Go reckless. to one, go to one of the eating clubs. We're out there partying. I remember just throwing them back, telling people about it. Like, oh, ran from the police, blah, blah, blah. And that night, it was probably like one or two o'clock and people were like, we're going to this other club. And that wasn't a usual spot that we went to. And so didn't have my name on the list. But if you know somebody, like usually they can get you in, like they know officers that are in the club, they can get you in. Mm -hmm. One of my buddies like, oh, I got you. Like, I'm gonna get you in, one of the older guys. I'm like, all right, cool. He's like, wait outside. So I'm waiting outside on the street, you know, where all the partying's going on. And I'm talking to one of my boys and all of a sudden he's like, I just see the look in his eyes like this. And I just feel somebody grab on my belt. And I'm just like, you can't run now. Well, I tried. tried. I tried. <laughs> I'm like, Shh. and all of a sudden I got this cop on my belt. And you ever p- play kill the carrier when you're younger? Yes. And you just like, you got a guy holding your shirt and he's, you're kind of whipping him around because you have your momentum. Yeah, your so momentum. he's kind of just spinning around me. And all of a sudden I just remember in my head, I'm like, I can either just go hit him with the stiff arm right here <laughs> and book it or just take the L and put my hands up. And I don't know what it was, but I guess something came over me and I was just like, that's mm, it, I'm okay. good. And so like, I give him a little bit, of, I don't put my hands on him. I never physically touched the officer, but I wasn't also getting tossed to the ground either. Like I was keeping my footing. And then so he, he grabbed me and he like fell backwards and rolled me over. And as he's like rolling me over, I'm, like, I'm trying to like throw this bag of Coke out of my pocket. I'm like oh. trying to get rid of it. Yeah, he saw that like 30 seconds later. He's like, oh, you think I didn't see what you were doing? I'm like, oh, I, th- I thought I was slick. <laughs> I got you something. I, I, You're going to find it anyway. Let, let me, me try. try. <laughs> you know, I got a fat blunt rolled up. And so this guy's on top of me, cuffing me up. And all of a sudden I look up and there's a couple hundred people just all just like just chatting. And, you know, like I got that video on my Instagram of like my buddy taking a video of me. I'm like, what an asshole. But thank God he took the video because I got that for some good footage. But yeah, it was nuts. And I remember this goes back to that glass half full mindset. I remember getting put in the cop car. Remember, first thing I did, I apologized to the cop. I was like, I was like, listen. I didn't mean to like mess up your night. I'm sorry. Not trying to like get myself out of anything. Like, you know, that was stupid, my bad. And he's like, no, it's, you know, I get it, it happens, whatever. But then I remember being in the cop car, I'm like, all right, the comeback starts like right now. You know, I'm gonna, I wanna start a YouTube channel. I wanna like, I wanna document my comeback. You know, like I wanna- It happened that quick? Within probably like a minute. That's my thought process. Wow. Wow. That's where my head is at. That doesn't mean that's what I exactly did afterwards, but. I always had that glass half full mindset to even to my demise, right? To the point where, you know, I thought I was good enough to do, to handle it all, to handle the parting, handle the school, handle this, because I, I thought I had it all figured out, yeah. but I didn't. So that was the same thing that kind of happened. Do you want, should I just keep going or? Well, I want to know what happened after you got arrested with yeah, Coke. Yeah, so how does yeah. that go? You go to jail and you so get I get arrested with Coke. I go to, go to the jail, um, mug shots, fingerprints, keep me there cuffed up for the night and then like probably like 6 a.m. in the morning they let me go and so I'm like all right go back to my buddy's place I remember I smoke a let blunt. you go with Didn't no charges? charges oh I had charges yeah sorry I had a bunch of charges you get kicked out of Princeton for having coke on you well yeah I'll get to that guys yeah Jesus, oh, give me a second get some of the night <laughs> and so I leave 
you know, they let me go at like 6 a.m. Listen, before he tells you about how he got kicked out, he had to go home and smoke a blunt. Yeah. I had to go smoke a blunt. Gosh, jeez, it's my ritual. And then, so then the process started. Obviously, everybody finds out. Luckily, they have a three-strike policy. Mine was a little more severe, my second strike. So, like I said, kind of a finesser. And I think I, I definitely started to mean it. So, you know, we had a bunch of meetings with the deans, and they're on the fence of keeping me. Like, 50-50. Like, we're either going to suspend you for the year or you're gone for good. And this is when I really started having my awakenings. Like, all right, I, I remember talking to them this one time and I started break down crying. And I'm like, I know I have a great opportunity and I know I have a problem. And I really do want to be able to go and fix this problem. And I'm like crying and I'm like, I don't want to be like other people that have, you know, had these opportunities and mess it up. Like I do want to do good on this. And so that was like, all right, my head started to go in that direction. Mm. So I went home. They suspended me for the year. That was their decision. They suspend you for the year. You're gonna come back. You'll be in like, you know, you have to do some therapy and stuff when you're here, but you know, you're gonna be able to come back if you, you do everything right. Go home. I'm like, all right, I gotta get sober. So I get sober for probably two weeks. I remember my cousin has a wedding, and I'm like, all right, I'm not gonna drink. I'm not gonna do anything. End up like near the end of the night having a couple of drinks. Take finding a. I don't know where my dab pen always comes from, but I, I must have had it like ready to go because then I had the dab pen again. Same deal. And for me, it was like, it's always zero to a hundred. You know, mm. it's like, all right, once I start, yeah. whew, right back to the races. So then I was smoking weed every single day again. I was never uh, the type of drinker that was drinking every single day, but it was when I drank, I wanted to get messed up. Like I wasn't trying to have, let's have a, let's have a like six a, pack. It's like the trigger. Yeah. You know, for me, it was like, I never saw alcohol as something that, you know, was, to you had to respect and you had to you know just be careful with it it was always like this is just totally for me to get into another whole other mind yep say to mind right that's I all can i can relate care. yeah i don't care now, about here's the interesting thing for me though because the environment is so important because like you knew in your mind that you shouldn't have been doing it and that you were messing up the opportunity like in real time you knew that in yeah. the dean's office and then you go home and you're outside of that environment so i would think when you go home and you're not with the people that are making you so to speak get drunk you would become sober but as soon as you have a trigger you have one drink you're right back into the yeah routine it, of, it was that wedding it was i probably had two or three weeks and then that wedding i remember telling people like yeah i'm not drinking anymore but then like all of a sudden i see everybody drinking and i'm you know i'm having a pretty good time but i'm like you know open bar you know i'm you know i'm a 19 year old dude and there's like chicks at this wedding i'm like oh i didn't learn how to like be a sober person, like the per the sober person I am today. I didn't what know. is your family doing at that time? Are they telling you like, don't stop? Yeah. Like, even, what, oh, they the don't wedding? want me to drink. No, yeah. everybody was like, I, I was secretly drinking at the wedding. Oh, okay, for sure. Yeah, no, okay. I wasn't like, it wasn't an open thing. I was like, go yeah, to the that's bar. That's a quick, tough habit. Just go at nineteen secretly drinking. Yeah, for wedding. sure. No, nobody wanted me to drink. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. And you know, alcoholism, that type of stuff runs in the family, as we were talking about. It's before. Typically genetic. Yes, very much so. So, you know, people knew, like, all right, you got it. And I'm like, and I knew I had it too, but that doesn't mean, like, you're just going to stop because you know. And I mean, like, awareness is the first step, but it's not the only step. So I knew, but I just, I didn't really know, like, I didn't have any tools at my disposal. I didn't, I wasn't working on myself at all. So I just went back into that habit. And then a month would go by, you know, and there was always friction between me and my mom because my mom was really strict growing up. Mm-hmm. So when I was doing the partying and stuff, she was always, we were always fighting. I'd be getting kicked out of the house, stuff like that, even in high school. How and many times did you like 
try and stop and it didn't work? Was, is this probably like three or four times when I was that year that I was off of school at Princeton when I was 19 years old when I got kicked out of school. Mm. Probably like three or four times. I would try for a couple of weeks and then it would be like, I'm just gonna go. I'm just gonna go to see this friend I haven't seen in a bit. And a lot of my friends are at college, luckily, but they would come back from school. I'd be like, "Yeah, like let's just chill." And I remember this one time, my buddy was smoking. I'm like, "Yeah, like I'm I'm good. Like I don't smoke anymore." And then I was like, "Ah, let me just like, let me just take a hit. You know, let me just take a couple of hits." I'm like, "Yeah, dude. You know what? I'm good. Like as long as we just chill on the weekends. A week later, every single day. Yeah. You know. So, so it was just a cycle of that. A cycle of that. Cycle of that." And it got to the point where I was kicked out of my house. I'm living like friends to friends house, couch to couch. I had a job as a waiter at Table Talk Diner. You guys remember that diner? Yeah. Mm -hmm. That diner. Shut down. Yeah, it's shut down. And I it was a, probably the best diner around here. Dude, it was amazing. <laughs> and it was on Route 9, popping yeah. place. But for some reason, that location, it's like- Yeah, now it's like a restaurants go to die. crab shack. Yeah, restaurants yeah. go to die there. I don't know if it's just because it's on a down on the hill, you don't really see it as much, but yeah. it's right on Route 9, tons of cars going by. You'd think, wow, that'd be a great spot. Yeah. But, I was working there as a waiter. And I remember that was like definitely kind of humbling. Like, you know, I kind of had, I kind of had a mentality like I'm going back to Princeton. So I think I came in there one time and you were my yeah. waiter. I bet I bet that's the case. <laughs> I dude, I waited on so many people. I mean, how many people were going to table talk? Yeah. Everybody was going there. You know what I mean? Wow, I don't even remember that until you just said it, bro. I'm pretty sure that Oh, I guarantee I if you went to table talk, I was your waiter for sure. No shit. Yeah, the wow. best service in the A45. Put two and two together. That was crazy. Need bread? <laughs> What'd you say you wanted? <laughs> All right, so April twenty first. 2018 April 21st. is the day you officially become sober. The day after 420. That's right, baby. You had to get the last <laughs> fucking hoorah. I had so. I had four days sober, and then on 420, one of my friends says, "Yo, me and my girlfriend are going to the insane asylum. You want to go smoke and trip oh, on yeah. acid? The one right go up here on nine. You yeah, want to go smoke so. and trip on acid? I'm like, of course I do. <laughs> so." We go to the, yeah, like the insane. I tell people that, and people are like, "That's nuts." But the insane asylum was like. We went there. Oh, dude! Once a yeah. month, we were there. We would go hang out there all the time. Break yeah, in, the spot. run around. You know what I mean? It's yeah. pretty cool. It was man. awesome. Everyone's like the insane asylum. Like, dude, the insane asylum was the spot. The spot, man. Yeah. Dope. <laughs> it was so cool. I knew that shit like the back of my hand. Yeah, like, like dude, we were in the morgue. Too, I remember pulling out the, the you know, like the gurney the of the morgue, the crematory. Yeah, like stuff like that. We got into all the buildings. That was stuff. Was Bowling cool. alley, movie theater, the, the bowl. Oh, for yeah. sure, the rec center. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they had like some crazy small rooms in the rec center too. I'm like, damn, people were living in some crazy conditions in this psychiatric. Wild. Center. Yeah, like no windows, just like five by five walls. Yeah. You know what I mean? Crazy I would be stuff. psycho too. Yeah, so. exactly. All yeah. right, so you get. Go ahead. Sorry, you get first. You take I'm, your acid April 21st. Now you're. Sober. I'm like, yeah. You know what? It's 4:20. I'm not gonna stop on. You know. Whatever. Come on, one more time. It's 420 National Weed Day. I'm taking acid. I'm taking acid. <laughs> two plus two equals five. Yeah. Yes. Exactly. So the next day I get sober for good. Wait, did you have a spiritual awakening? Did the acid No, I was anything? it was underwhelming because I didn't talk about my like what drugs I used at school, but I was um, weed every single second of the day, coke Thursday to Saturday. And I was also taking acid probably like once or two. Once That's some schedule. Once a week, maybe once every two weeks, and I would take it while going out. Like I was just a psycho like that. Okay. Oh That's wild. Oh. Yeah, it wasn't like I would sit there and just be like sit on the couch and be like, let's go do some shit and just pop tabs. So my tolerance was crazy. So like that one day they only had a tab, and for me, a tab wasn't doing anything. A tab Got was it. like 
you're just touching the surface, you know? So it was kind of actually like just really underwhelming because like my tolerance was so high. That's the crazy part about when you're doing all these drugs is like, you just need more and more drugs. That's why people overdose. That's mm -hmm. why crazy shit happens because mm -hmm. it just, you always need more. It's always like, you want to get to that same level that you did the first time and you never get back there. Yeah. Never happens. Never does. Chasing the dragon. So what you know? sets that day in stone for you? Why is this time different? Why do you actually stop doing it? I think I think I just really needed to stop. I knew I needed to stop like really badly. Um, I was kicked out of my house. I had I lost that job at Table Talk. I had no money. My friends were like, dude, get it away from us. We like you can't keep living in our spaces, you know, our homes. I'm like, and then I, I actually remember this one distinct moment. I was talking about this the other day where I was sitting on the couch and I was thinking about all these dreams and aspirations I had. And like I was saying before, I've always thought that I could do the most amazing things ever. I'm going to be an actor. I'm going to be a YouTuber. I'm going to be this. I'm going to be that. I never doubted myself, but it was all delusional because I was never putting any action towards it. Mm. So I remember sitting there thinking about those dreams. And then I actually had a realization. What am I doing? Do I really want to be that person? Do I think what I'm doing right now, sitting here with my friends while we're watching YouTube videos and I was tripping out that on acid at that moment coming down, thinking that just smoking weed every single second of the day was gonna get me to my goals. I wasn't doing anything to achieve them. Hmm. Even though I had dreams and I knew I wanted, to, I wanted to do something amazing with my life. Dreams without actions are just dreams. They're, amen. It's delusion. Delusion. Yeah, yeah exactly. So. I had that realization. I'm like, I need to get sober so I can live the life of my dreams. The, the life that I'm actually literally dreaming about right now, I need to get sober mm -hmm. for that because it clearly non-sober Luke doesn't give a shit, like doesn't put one action in towards that. So going to the mental asylum actually helped you? Well, it was actually, that was like, that moment was probably a week before that, but, oh, okay. but like it was still, even though it's like that moment still solidified that I wanted to get sober, even though I did it again. I, I went right back to it. Like I, yeah, 420, I did it. But the next day I was like, all right, I'm sober. Like, I'm, that's it. Was sober for about a week, reached out to somebody. This is the key part of my sobriety. Reached out to somebody who was in AA. And I said, listen, as you definitely know, I have a problem. And so that person, somebody who's really close to me in my life in high school, um, you know, big part of my sports career, a coach they took me under their wing and you know ever since then 421 18 I've, I've been sober since i went through the steps of aa there's 12 steps in aa if you don't know and uh you really got to look on the interior part of yourself and just like you actually start to dive deep and think about all the things you did the consequences of your action and how they're not just affecting yourself but other people making and amends make amends and you got to go to those people and tell them you know, that thing that I did this time, it was really terrible. I shouldn't have done it. Like doing really uncomfortable things. And that's what's great about AA. That's why I think AA, everybody should, I think everybody should go through those 12 steps one time. Absolutely. Because it's, you're actually challenging yourself. Big time. To so who am I? What do I stand by? And how do I make things right in my life? It's like, when, when do we really do that? Because you know, we can have some sort of awareness, but to actually take action and go out of your way to apologize to people that you did bad things to in the past, you know, like that's... That shit will clean your soul. Yeah, so I did that work. How long and did it take you to accomplish your 12 steps? 
six months, nine months. I don't think it needs to take that long either. Like some people, it takes some people well, takes years. Years. Some people. I've been on step four for a year. You know, it's like I don't believe it needs to take that long. I think you could go pretty fast. And I know a lot of people that believe that you could go through the steps in a month or four, technically four days. There's this book that I read that you do this three steps in a day. That's a lot of four work. Days. Yeah, it's a lot of work, but oh, that's, they used to run you through the program quick back in the day when they started. So the whole, like you need to take a year. I don't think that's necessarily the case, but you got to do the work. So this guy you reached out to became your sponsor. Became still sponsor. is your sponsor. Still my sponsor. Still very close to this day. Still. And this was, in between your break from Princeton. Yep, this is for, this is about beginning of May. Okay. I, uh, you know, I got kicked out my sophomore year, so I call it my first sophomore year when I was out of school. My first sophomore year. My first like sophomore that. year, I had two sophomore years, so yeah. I always say my first sophomore year, my second sophomore year, that's how I reference it. First year was an audible. Yeah, first year audible, <laughs> time off. And it's funny because Princeton, I'd say 20 to 25% of people take a year off at Princeton. Really? Yeah, it's so, demanding like people so many people take a mental health that's break. interesting yeah like a lot, i'd say out of the 30 guys i started with on my team 10 or 11 took a year off from my class of 2020 wow to go to uh 2021 and obviously they take a year off from football during that and then they go back into the and then program? they come back yeah they come back they you know go back on the team most of them do some of them like a couple don't return and you're just welcome back on the team that's yeah usually because most of the time it's like it's just stress it's just it gets to you i mean Football is a plus 40 hour commitment during the season. Yeah. And then you're at the number one school in the world studying with kids that all they do is study. Yeah. And luckily I didn't care about school. So I never, <laughs> I never had the stress of like, oh my gosh, luckily. I'm going I'm to fail this class. I mean, it was, it was actually kind of good for my mental health. Yeah. Cause I, there, I know so many kids that stress themselves out. Yeah, take a lot of pressure off yourself. Yeah. Because kids are, you're competing against the best of the best. So that means you're not getting an A just off of like, a good paper you have to write an amazing paper because the other the a's that you're going against yeah those people are i know are the I've best been, i've been in class with people that won nobel peace prize like stuff like that you know what i mean it's that's just wild like, that's wild it's crazy type of stuff you know so but i also felt so disconnected from that that i was like i don't care at all so mm -hmm. it was almost like a good thing but i you know it, it's it's a it's a tough thing because stress a certain amount of stress is good i think if you don't have stress, like it's I always, I always talk about care. a bit in business. If you're not stressed, you're not making money, mm -hmm. right? So it's like, or it's just a direct correlation to if you're not stressed, it's a you don't care, right? You, you, and it's like that can be. If, if you can motivate yourself without stress. Good for you, but I think I always like you. I need a little bit of stress, whether that's external stress from somebody within my company bringing it down on me, or it's internal that voice in your head that's like you need to start. You need to get up, make this content, you know, go do this, go do that to be that person. You know, it's so it's, it's but it's cool a cool thing that yeah. the 12 steps fill that for you. Mm. Because when you're going, when you're when you're just drinking and drugging, the stress comes in the form of, oh, my God, I got to deal with. It. I just woke up and what the fuck did I do last night? And oh, my God, I got arrested again. And it's like <laughs> when you go into the 12 step program, Darn. it's like you have this new stress that kind of fills that void that you'd be missing. Mm otherwise exactly and it's like it's weird i think we do need that mm -hmm. and it's funny that also you have to the 12-step program is something everyone should do yeah but for some reason it's only for alcoholics right it's like why is that why do you have to go through shitty things to realize that you should be doing good stuff 
it's such a weird thing that keeps popping up. It's like, why did I not appreciate my life so much until I drove my motorcycle into a rock wall at 50 miles an hour? Why did it take me that yeah. to figure out, holy shit, I'm really in this bitch and I gotta be doing big things or I'm wasting my life. Mm -hmm. Why do we all, what is the, the human fallacy? Because we live fallacy. as extremists. You're an extremist. You're, you're breaking state records. You're fucking partying harder than anyone else and still playing football. The people we interview, like... People are, are changing their lives, doing all these crazy things, crazy stories, and then one thing happens and they change. It's because we're we're extremists. We're addicted to things, and we don't you don't look outside of anything that's going on. It's just like whatever you're doing, you're doing until it's pulled out from underneath you, and then you can actually open your eyes and look around and go, "Wow, I was doing all of that, bro." The exact the perfect example is is a night of your life in Princeton. You start out smoking weed, then all of a sudden you're blacking out, and then by the morning you're waking up like, "What the fuck did I just do?" Yep. That's the that's that's just a longer scale it takes from you to do that for two years, and then you realize one day like, "Okay, what am I doing? Like, what is even going on?" Yeah. You know, but I think that's just normal human behavior. We're just like that. Yeah. We're just addicted they to say the that like, like it always takes almost always it takes a moment for someone to realize that they need change, and yeah. it's like. They talk, you talk about a bottom. It like, seems like it's always a bottom. How, yeah, I think almost everybody needs a, it's, I, I just like bottom, AA, alcoholic, like I had the stigma around them, but just like that moment, like. You tell me anyone who's done anything good in their life that didn't have that though. Right. But it's like how you, deep. What's wrong with you? Are you sick? <laughs> I had it. Maybe what? Not, I didn't lose a leg. It doesn't take a, a drug at What, was, what was his bottom was higher. You know what I mean? It might not even have been one distinct moment. It might have been like moments you put ever together. Heard the story like, about, he ain't about, he's you ever top. heard the story about the salesman <laughs> and the dog? The salesman and the dog. Mark Sony just talked talk about it the other day yes, where he's like, of course. I, show up to a, I show up to a guy's house and his dog is sitting there. And his dog, as he comes up, he's like, hey, Tim, how you doing? What's up, Tim? Blah, blah, blah. And they're like, hey, what's up, dog? He starts petting the dog. And he's like, why is he, why is he whining? He's Dog's like, oh, he's, he's, sitting on a, he's sitting on a nail. There's a nail stuck in his ass. And he's like, well, can I help him? Can I get him off the nail? And the guy's like, well, no, he's, he, he'll move when, it, when it's enough pain for him to move. Mm. But he's been sitting like that crying. And until it's enough pain, he's not going to move. So everyone's got a different low. For some people, being 20 pounds overweight, they're going to the gym because mm. they've never been 20 That's pounds true. overweight. For yep. some people, it's 250 pounds overweight. Yep. So for me, listen, I got stories. When I was in sixth grade, I got arrested for selling drugs in school. I got arrested for pulling a knife out on somebody in sixth grade. I'm 11 years old. Wow. And so I didn't start school. early enough. That's my problem. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I should have got a motorcycle. You're just getting drunk school. on the couch and doing ecstasy at 11. Well, you, weren't pull, you weren't pulling knives. What an idiot. Making money. <laughs> Dummy. <laughs> get with All right, it. So let's, let's get back on track here because I got a lot of questions for, for sobriety. But yeah. So you go back to Princeton and you have a successful career in football in college. Uh, kind of. So well, you keep your sobriety. Keep my sobriety. That's a success in my mind. Yeah. Oh, for sure. I think that's been the greatest thing in my life. People always ask me, if you could go back, would you change what happened in that moment? Would you not get arrested? And just like everybody says, I would get arrested every single time. Mm. You know, I would. The life that I live right now. Because he got you by the do, belt. Thank God he got me by the belt. <laughs> you know, seriously. For real. If I got away. I mean, they would have found me. Like, there's no, I was so distinct looking. I was like 100. I was so coked out. He's six, skinny, five and a half. Six skinny. foot five, 
pencil running around, freaking hair down to his shoulders, you know, like they were gonna find me. Yeah. But That's yeah. the most surprising part I've heard of this story so hair far. Have you had hair down your shoulders? <laughs> Bro, you used to have the flow. <laughs> Dude, you looked like a lax boy for he a while. You ran so time. fast it oh, fell yeah. off. Exactly. Yeah, you, the, the genes catch up with you quick. Mm. As you know, my bald uncle, my bald dad. Yep. Now you know, dad. My dad's bald too, so yep. I don't got long. You're good bro. for now. You're good. I'm good for you're now. Good. But we'll see. I'm you're good. Good. I'm, good. Good. I'm, good. I'm 24. Death, so. Yeah, you're chilling. Yeah, you I'm got the good genes. My hair's gonna keep growing when I'm dead. Hair's overrated. Shave that. Come on. Why don't, don't we? I'll fucking do it. Shave it right shit. now. Shave my head. Right now. We'll. Sh Everybody shaves their heads. I've not. I'm not doing that. We are, we, get, we cut his hair one time on the pod, but we I don't did. know about shaving. We did. We cut know, my I know. I saw the three. I use that thing. Self cuts. Do you? Yeah, that thing is awesome. Wait, you fade. use self cuts? Yeah, I bought that it off uh, Amazon. That's so fire. How long ago? Before the before you guys started yeah, using yeah. it. For no my, shit. it's amazing for my yeah. bald head. I literally I got the when I don't use those mirrors and I try to shave my head, I, I'm going over like eight times because I'm like, did I get it? Did I get it? I use that thing. You think before Perfect. you have that, you think that you have to go over it five times. Still once. You just once you get the section, it's gone. So I just go whoop whoop whoop. Nice so, with it now. Yo, if they want to, you know, give me a little discount the name code. Of this to podcast shout out. is going to be how to shave your head, <laughs> dude. It's, it's awesome. All right, well, let's talk. Life. I want to talk I'm more sure. about what you're doing now because it's very powerful. I really believe in what you're doing. You are spreading the message of positivity through sobriety, Try. man. Yes, sir. And like, that's not a popular thing nowadays. People think, I, I feel like people look at sobriety and they're like, oh, that's boring, that sucks. And it's like, look at everyone who I know who's like sober and follows it to a T, they're very mentally healthy oh. and usually they got shit going for them. Yeah, they're kind of killing it. I wish I had the discipline. It's like, I have this weird thing where I, drugs and alcohol never got me into trouble. Yeah. Like I walked out of it with, mm -hmm. unscathed and it's like, I almost wish like I did have a problem because I, I think if I was sober, I'd be a whole different type of animal. Mm. I, and like, kind of probably sounds stupid because it's like, why don't I just do it then? Yeah. Just do it. Well, let's, let's not, you know, forever. How about a month? You, you done a dry month yet? I have. Oh, and I, I excel. Yeah. My life becomes better immediately. And then I'm like, I like don't remember how shitty alcohol is. And then I'll, everyone's like, let's go drink it. And I get fucking blacked out. Yeah. And I just feel like shit for a week. He's also 31. He has one sip of alcohol and he's got to sleep for two days because. Uh, it's dude, so the bad. The hangovers are. are dude, I never, I was 19 when I quit. So I would, we'd be getting hammered after a game on Saturday nights. Waking up, we'd have Sunday morning lift. They'd make us and lift after our games. Because you're 19. And I would just. And you could bounce wake back up, from anything. Two hours, wake up, lifting hammered. It's crazy. You know, and you had. Practice. We had a Sundays were the worst days. You were you had football for like ten hours. Yo, I'm straight. about to challenge myself and fucking just do the twelve steps. I'm about to just Why do not? the twelve steps. I'll challenge. go through with you. I'll do it with you, bro. I think I should do that just to do it. You want to let's, handshake let's make, deal if you're gonna say. Why it. don't we make a segment, the twelve step segment? Let's do it. Let's do that. Okay. Holy it's not shit. even for it's not for alcohol because people are like Alcoholics Anonymous, but no, we're just twelve. We're steps. using the AA twelve steps. We're gonna go through it. And we'll work them together because I want to. I'll go through it again. So you're gonna be my sponsor. Yeah. Wow. All right. Shit just happened right now in this podcast. I gotta do. this. I don't even think it needs to be like you don't have to drink, right? It's just like you want to do the steps. I just want to do. It. Well, though, no. Even I'm though like gonna, it kind of involves. You, I like, should no. I should. This, I should be sober to do it. All right. You're not gonna drink at all. I'm do we, fucking do we pissed, have anything bro. Coming up. 
Well, we can run through it quick too. We don't have to do steps well, in like a year. Do, well, we can here's do what it, it is. in a month. I gotta complete my 12 steps of sobriety so I can drink. drink. There you go. Uh, <laughs> there you go. This dude's gonna be calling me every single like, yo, what are we working on fourth step? What are we working on the fourth step? I got a party to go to on Saturday. in two weeks. I like this. Fuck no. Fuck no, that's exciting. I, Listen, you don't like, really drink ever. At, not. I just do it on the weekends. Yeah. Lately, I've been taking two week breaks but because it's also, the hangovers are so we bad. We go out to dinner and we have two drinks. It's not like we're going out to the clubs on the weekends. No, yeah, but usually like when that. I drink, I you know me. If I yeah, have one, I it more, turns into a little different. Right, you want, you want, quickly. You're a little different. Yeah. Well, I figured out my drinking is this is I don't enjoy being drunk. I enjoy when my blood alcohol content is climbing only. So if I have three beers and then I wait and it starts coming down, no, I need it to be going up. And obviously that's a very slippery slope and doesn't yeah. last that long. Well, they say that once you actually, once you start drinking and then you stop, your body, I can't remember the name of the hormone that it releases, but it releases well, that's something, something so that, it, that gives you genetically a crappy feeling. Yeah. So I bet you like the alcoholic person has gets more of that when they stop oh, drinking. Oh, absolutely. Right? You know what I mean? So. I think naturally everybody kind of gets that when you drink. Like if you have a couple beers and you stop, it's just like it's not like you you're not like oh great I have a nice buzz. Like I feel like most people aren't like that. They're like all right. I drink. You know, I need to continue. Yeah. Like I need to be yeah. drinking more. I'm not that way honestly. No, you're not. You're yeah. good. Yeah. I drink a couple beers. And a couple I'm great. Cosmos yeah. and it feels great. You've never so seen tell me us have about. A Cosmo. I know. I just wanted <laughs> yeah, to, to me, make I'm fun. Like, dude, what's, what's the point me? of having a couple? <laughs> Tell me about uh, some of the work you've been doing yeah. as a sober person. Mm -hmm. You know, you're on YouTube, you're doing TikTok, no? TikTok? Yeah, yeah I just you're started doing Instagram. The TikTok. And you're just trying to spread the message of What's your mission sobriety of doing and how it's helped you. So my mission is I want to I want to help people create change in their lives. So yeah, I'm a little more specific towards sobriety, but in general, I want to work with high schoolers, college students, young professionals, and I want to make, help them make the changes in their lives that they want to make to help them do amazing things. That's that's really my main goal. So, like, I've been putting out sobriety-specific content, but I, you know, we're we have a speech. My cousin and I, we we started this initiative, Touch Streets. Our tagline is "Change yourself to change the world." So we believe, like, if you just change a little bit of something about yourself. That's gonna have be able to have the greatest impact. On Butterfly the, on effect, the world. dude. It's exactly. Real. Instead of because I always see people pointing the finger like, we gotta stop polluting. We have to stop doing that. Like they need to stop this. Like work on your sphere of influence. What can I control? Right. And you can only control yourself. Mm. So what can I do to better myself? And then innately the world will become a better place. True. So That's I think huge. If everybody yeah. starts embodying that, we'll actually see huge impact. Right. Everybody thinks you need to be out doing this big thing. Right. It's like, no, just start where you're yeah, at. Yeah, like, like when I talk to people, I'm like, you don't need to, you know, get sober or, or like change your life to then, you know, make it your mission to help other people doing it. Like, that's just what I happen to like to do. You know, that's just, that's just, I think I'm all in type of person. So like once I was like all in sober, I'm like all about it. And I'm just like, I might as well embody it to the core. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to be the sober guy that's like, in the in the corner you know just like yeah you know i don't drink like i tell it like yeah i don't drink like actually this crazy stuff happened in my life where you know i was partying like an animal and i just knew it was either ruin all my opportunities or get sober and i had to choose getting sober and now it's been the best decision i ever made and like almost make a story out of it and people are like oh that's cool you know like you're the only cool sober person I know. A lot of people say that because yeah. most people don't really know any sober people my <laughs> no, age. You know, like, I know a lot of really cool, cool sober people. I do too. 
But like, yeah. you know, people get the wrong idea, especially because when people get sober my age, it's usually like pretty extreme shit. Yeah. And so a lot of people actually, I feel like can't really be around it that much where for some reason, like I can be like, you know, there could be like a line of Coke like this and I would just be like, I could play with it like it was saying, <laughs> like, you know, draw something out of it and have no, urge. not the That's slightest incredible. urge. That's not, incredible. Not even close. So it's like something totally shifted in my head, like a, a light switch just went off. It was like, this is it. Like, I think it's because I just associated so much pain towards it. It's like if I, mm. if I pick up a drink, if I pick up a drug, all the stuff I've been working on and building, you know, like my career, you know, the stuff that I'm working on the side, like people are like, oh, you're putting out this amazing sobriety content. Like, I have a vision to have like the biggest business, you know, self-help motivation mindset business in the entire world. You know yeah, what I mean? Like, yeah, baby. It's not, it's That's not just, dream? oh yeah, hundred percent. Um, I'll definitely get into that in a little bit of like where, what our outlook is on our business plan. Yeah. But people are like, oh, that's sobriety content. Like that's so nice of you. And it's like, no, like this is like, this is gonna be my, my bread and butter. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like yeah. I'm, you know, I don't, you know, I, I, I like my job, like my jobs. It's, I'm an, I'm an underwriter for a commercial insurance company. So we uh, take on contractors in the five boroughs, we insure them. So I'm, I'm constantly looking at, you know, like con uh, concrete guys, drywall, masonry, whatever. All these big guys are building the skyscrapers, steel, and I got to evaluate them as risks. You know, how much premium should we charge? Should we even take them on? Do they fit our risk appetite? Whatever, it's not that exciting. I don't wake up every day like, let's go, baby, Insurance. gonna go evaluate some risk. <laughs> like, you know, I work with some pretty cool people, which is nice, so like yeah. I'm good at my job. I definitely have respect within my company. Um, so, you know, that's fine, but you know, I'm gonna be doing, I think I'm gonna be doing this stuff full time. I'm going to be doing this stuff full time. I'm sorry, I don't like to say I think. Yeah. I'm going to be doing this full time before 12, 31, 23. I'm gonna quit my job. Oh, let's nice. go. Yeah. Speak it into you. reality, so bro. I, I love think, that. I think by the beginning of the of uh, the school year coming up, we're gonna be able to quit well, our jobs. Launch I wanna it. go back for a second and- I'm sorry, I jumped all over the place too because like you yeah. ask a question, I'm like, shh. <laughs> it's all good. <laughs> we let it flow because you're saying good shit, so don't worry right, about I'm it, bro. Trying, you're I'm saying trying. good shit. Appreciate it. Um, so there's this huge, uh, um, phrase that Alex Hormozzi said. You listen to Alex Hormozzi at all? Do I listen, to, yeah. I, I listen to him every morning, yeah. almost. I so, pop his podcast on, I ride my electric scooter to my yeah. office. <laughs> He's usually got like 15 to 20 minute podcast. So yep. it's, it's, I know all, of, like every time it's like always a repeat, but it's almost like if you're Gold, religious, bro. like reading the Bible every day, it's like, I've, I've read about Jesus every day, but it's like, you're just ingraining that mindset. He's golden, golden. Yeah. So I hear like when you, when you, a lot of the stuff you say, I'm like, that's Harmozy, Harmozy S. Oh bro. I listen to all those guys and it's, I see, I'm, I'm an extremist too. Like I, everywhere I go in the car, it's a podcast of yep. somebody playing and I'm re-listening to the same people and I'm reading the same books. Like if I listen to, I listen to like three people, yep. but I consume everything they say so i just embody all their traits just naturally you know what i mean yep. like and i say their quotes and i feel wrong i'm like yeah uh alex hormozzi said that i got to give him props uh -huh. but it, i'm just like i don't even realize yeah that. you know what i mean so anyway but he heard um, it, he heard it from somebody else and he even says that himself too. correct you know what i mean so, so nobody's the, an originator the thing i was gonna say was um at work yourself that what was the beginning part like oh getting confidence and getting to the level you want to do getting to the level you want to be is not shouting affirmations in the mirror and saying and shouting affirmations Having in the mirror and saying undeniable proof that you are who you say you are and stacking it and just outworking yourself down yeah. and like that's exactly that. what you did you're mm. just like fuck it just 
keep yeah. doing X, Y, and Z, yeah. and all the rest of it just works itself out. You know, 100%. you're just outworking all the negative and the bad, and then miraculously you look up and it's like, I have this one day, you know? Exactly. It's 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 by design. Yeah. You know what I mean? So let's talk about the business now. You you were yeah. saying love to go on that. You want to be fully into personal development, you would call Pay it. Give me the yeah. picture. Yeah. So what's my it called? cousin and I you guys are my running. My cousin it? and I we started this company called Touch Streets. Okay. My cousin, his background, he went to Binghamton University, four O MBA student, you know, very, very bright guy. Um, he graduates college and he like kind of has an identity crisis. He's going through something with a girl there. He gets a job, you know, as a financial analyst, but it's remote and, you know, he doesn't, you know, he hates it. And all these things are happening at once and he has, starts having anxiety attacks. Mm. And all of a sudden they're so bad to the point where he needs to admit himself into a psychiatric center. Oh my God. So he admits himself and he's there. They keep him there for 10 days. And the whole time he's trying to just be good to get himself out because it was so terrible. The experience was awful. They gave him no help. These institutions are terrible, which we'll, what we'll get into with the business plan. They're awful. And so it's funny because he's like, every, he's like, I needed to go there. Like, I'm glad I did it every single time I would have, but it was terrible. Like there was no help. You saw a doctor one time, they keep you, they don't help you do any of the things. They had an acronym of like yeah. eight things that you should do. They're like, we did one thing on the list. That was it. So mm. it's like, they did nothing for him. Yeah, so he started this initiative called No Man Sits Alone, and he was building Adirondack chairs and just posting about mental health stuff um, to raise money, and it was like, No Man Sits Alone, like, you know, like in, a, in an Adirondack chair. chair. Yeah. And it, it garnered a lot of attention. He was on like NBC News, CBS, a bunch of stuff. So he was speaking at schools. So that's when wow. I, yeah, he was speaking at a bunch of schools, and I spoke um, at Ketchum with him. We did some stuff. And then we were like, all right, let's move to the city. So I, I knew I wanted to move to the city. My, my job is down there. I work right across from Grand Central Station. Like my office is directly across the street. And so I knew I wanted to move down there. So I actually ended up, I bought a co-op. We'll get into this. So I stayed home for a year. I'm living at home, no expenses, making city money. And I'm just saving up, saving up. And I think I'm gonna go down and rent. All of a sudden I actually got that condition, hyperparathyroidism. Mm. And so I'm like, ah, I should probably pause whatever I'm doing just cause I didn't know what it was at the time. So I pause and I don't end up running with one of my friends, but then I start to look into this more and I'm like, why don't I look into buying something? You know, I have some cash in the bank. You know, I make good money, like I have great credit, like let's see what I can do. So I ended up buying a co-op in East Village. Um, so yeah, I'm a, I'm a homeowner in New York City, actually. So it's hard to achieve. Just, yeah, yeah, that's a fucking accomplishment. Yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty crazy. Like when I talk about it, people are like, yo, you own in New York City? Like, I didn't know that was a thing. I was like, I had no idea it was a thing either. You know, like I just Airbnb kinda, that bitch. No, for real. Yeah, like one day, you know, like it's a great starter spot. Like you, you're, you're going down to the city this weekend. If you want to come by, stop by. Oh, well, um, yeah, it's, you know, it's the size of, it's like 600 square feet. So it's not big and it's half a million dollars. You know, like come there and do my first. Six hundred square feet is is you know it's like not as big as that room up there. You yeah. know what I mean? It's so half of this room, it's a twelve hundred square foot room. Yeah, so it's half of that room. Yeah, it's half of this room, half a million dollars. It's crazy. Just nuts. But I had enough, you know, to put down ten percent, and you know, so I have that a mortgage, and but so we ended up moving down together. And sorry, I'm bouncing all over the place. No, you're good. Moved down together, and I was like what do I want to do now? Cause I, I was home and I graduated and I was doing my job and I started studying for all these tests 
And I got these designations that they say, they're like, oh, it should take you two to three years to finish it off. I did it in seven months. Mm. Meanwhile, there's a lot of big financial incentives, $10,000 to finish the first test, uh, $15,000 to finish the second. And other financial incentives were put into this. So for me, I'm already a go-getter. I'm like, this is a freaking no-brainer. I'm working, you know, nine to five thirty, basically nine to five, and I'm studying, studying every night, every night, every night. And I finished it in seven months, and like my CEO's dumbfounded. You know, definitely blessed, blessed it up. You know, won't get specific, but you know, it's been good. And yeah, so, but I had to work towards that. And then like I had a busy season, like somebody got like left the company and then it was like, they just threw us in the flames. And they're like, all right, like we hooked it up, go do your thing. And so then I was like super busy for five months. And then, but once I moved to the city, it calmed down. I was like, now, like, what am I gonna do? You know, I always knew I wanted to put content out. I wanted to do stuff. I'm like, I love sobriety. I talk about it all the time. Like, that's what I wanna do. So mm-hmm. I can speak out more about it. So started posting the content. And then I said to my cousin, like, why don't we come together and start something as one. So I came up with this, I had this idea of Touch Streets before, but I was like, yo, why don't we use this name, Touch Streets, like reaching out, touching the people of the streets um, to create a brand around our stories, which is substance abuse on my end, mental health on his end, the two biggest problems in high schools, you know, for that generation in the entire world, there's no two bigger issues. We cover both those grounds. And then we could also, you know, just help people elevate their lives. Yeah. That's what we want to do. It's like, we don't think it needs to necessarily just be substance abuse or mental health related. So we're like, let's come up with a brand that can just help those high schoolers, college students, and young professionals be the best versions of themselves. Reach and potential. Exactly. So we built out our website. We've made everything official. It took us about a month. And then we started doing reach outs. So we have our first paid speaking event on April 4th at Pace University. Wow. We're speaking at a, a career building class. So that'll be exciting. Nice. Um, and then we have we're in talks with a bunch of other high schools, and we're we're finalizing some stuff. I've, we have a and thing. And how long have you actually been doing that that business? Like a, two months, probably. And you already got a paid speaking engagement. Yeah, yeah, Incredible. already. Yeah, it's. I don't. It's just something that a lot of people are not trying to do because I'm like. Sometimes we feel like we're underqualified. We're like, you know, like what, like you what know, we're just we're twenty four year olds. That makes, that makes us more qualified. What twenty four year olds, you know. Two, he's good looking dude. I'll say I'm halfway decent You're looking. You're good looking. Oh, well, I'm, 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 I'm kind of fishing a little bit. <laughs> you know, our two good looking dudes, both happen to be six foot five, you know, and are out there speaking about, you know, substance abuse and mental health. Like teachers, administration, yeah. there'll be foaming at the mouth for us like that's that's a we're like we're the best possible candidates in the world like there's no two that are like us that's that's our mindset about it so love it we have no self-doubt in our ends you know and we've done some speeches before so it's not like we you know we've done some free stuff like you know i've been helping people and mentoring people you know not looking for money for five years now like he's started an initiative not looking for any money doing speeches like we've done stuff already so like we are real though man because we were just talking about this the other day at lunch the Dare program. You remember Dare program? Yeah, I remember Dare. Bro, yeah. I was you know I was already drinking during Dare. I was like seventh grade. I was like, Dare. you know why that shit doesn't work? Because you can't relate to a cop the person on the who's stage. a goody two shoes who's never yeah. drank. It's like yeah. you don't know my world. No. So for you, you know the world. It's you gotta have be done relatable. it all. You exactly. are relatable. You're a six foot five alpha dude who people are gonna listen to. Mm-hmm. So that avenue of what you just said is no one is as qualified as you is the truth. Yep. Because 
they look at you like here's this six foot five sick athlete who went to Princeton who's being vulnerable and telling us like yo I had a problem and here's how I fixed it and got shit done about yeah. it you know where if a cop tells you that or someone who's just you know like don't drink yeah okay I'm not gonna right. drink okay it's bad people yeah. get arrested mental health yeah okay sure yeah. you're also health. just very in touch with the younger crowd you know mm -hmm. how social media works you know how to reach out to people and that that's a huge edge that mm -hmm. most people who would go into this line of work would never even consider Definitely. I don't think I don't, there really isn't much out like I've seen a couple sober influencers and there's like a bunch of influencers who are sober but, but like the people that really it, right? are the preachers there's not really anything cool out there you know what I mean so I'm just like I feel like I'm a pretty cool dude. Like, why don't I just talk about my sobriety? That's a major factor you know I mean? that I think like, is completely is undervalued. It, yeah, why Why not talk about it, you know? I think the only, we'll talk about the only con that I really see is like, there's some shallow chicks out there. You know, like, it's funny because like, and I get it too, because you know, you probably look at my Instagram, you don't know me, like, well, what is going on? But like, I'll, ever since I started doing the talks, there's been, a handful of times where I've like talked to a chick like when I'm out at a bar like I'll go up to girls in the streets like my friends are like yo you're like you're crazy but I'm all about getting out of my comfort zone and mm. just like I'm always trying to like be that person you know what I mean that's like doing crazy stuff so even though I'm not the crazy guy drinking I want to be the crazy guy else, yeah. going up to chicks or was just doing you know I want to do stuff that people are scared to do mm -hmm. you know and uh you know it's like I'll talk to them like seem all about it whatever and like you know the signs like i've gone up to girls in the streets and they're like i've had the moments where they're like get away from me you know yeah, and you're just yeah, like all right yeah. i'm sorry i didn't mean to like interrupt your day sorry somebody wanted to compliment you or just <laughs> you know ask you how your life is but you know whatever talking and then it's like hey they ask my name and it's like clockwork and i tell them my name and then they look you up on instagram i'm assuming and you just never like that so i'm like all right that's been the only annoying thing is i get the ghosted get ghosted really? like you're saying yes. target women because they go and see who you are yeah on instagram so yeah as of right now so like i think i'm in that weird spot where it's like i'm just putting out content it's like you know get 100 likes. like it's fine like it's bro I'm you not, got too much shit going on right now for you to be concerned with a woman it, i think that's god helping you dude, out i 100 percent agree don't even go talk agree. don't go talk to these girls you got a bigger mission yeah but I, I still like to do it because i'm like it's just out of my comfort zone to like just go up to a chick randomly yeah, so go yeah. have fun so but it doesn't actually like it's not a concern of mine you know i'm yeah. not like oh, i'm never gonna have a girl like i'm like in this season of my life speaking of hormoses talking about seasons i'm mm -hmm. like in this season you know, this is the season where I just grind, I build myself up. And it's like, you're just, I look at the dating world as like a startup. Take a startup. If you have like a good idea or something and all of a sudden you go out and you raise capital right off the bat and you have no proof of concept or nothing, it's like, mm -hmm. all right, you're gonna get something back maybe, you know, but it's just gonna be like lower tiered stuff. But all of a sudden, if you like are really building that startup up, and you like go out and build the concept and you are doing these big things and then you go and raise capital, you know, your company's worth a hundred X. And it's like, so I feel like, you know, I just work on myself. My dating pool is gonna be, you know, the- Massive, I want, whoever you want. Right. Listen. You know, businesswoman, athletes, like people that are, I just want people that are, it's, it goes back to that post the other day. Zach puts up a post where he talks about very Harmozy-esque post too. I, I freaking, I love what you were saying. You're like, you know, if, when I have a relationship with somebody, it's transactional. And you can take that the wrong way. Of course. 
and I know what Zach meant. Yeah. It wasn't, hey, I meet somebody and it's, what can you do for me? Oh, you can't do shit right now? I'm not talking to you. No, I know Zach, he's gonna meet people and he's gonna give off with great energy because that's the person you are and you genuinely mean it. But when you're talking about really diving deep into a relationship with somebody else, like giving somebody your time, yeah. it's like, I want that person to be able to give me something in return because I know I'm gonna bring value as well. Of course. I don't wanna just hang out with somebody to go watch Netflix. Yeah. Mm. I don't wanna of hang course, out with somebody bro. to just go chill and eat food. Like, and yeah. that's, I don't well, want that in a relationship. And well, somebody's like trying to sound off on us. Yeah. I'm like, dude, I'm going off on this, <laughs> this mother right now. Listen, dude. we'll touch on that for a second because the friends <laughs> thing, Bro, I have so many people that I'm friendly with. Yeah. So everyone, yep. everyone, like I don't have problems with anyone. I have no enemies. Right. But at the same time, if you look, what I consider a real friend, if I'm spending time with them every week, mm -hmm. if I'm talking to you and we're spending time together every week, that's like a real friend. Like that, that really is, a, a, you're transacting something every week. Yep. Energy, time together, right? So those people that I'm transacting with every week, I, I don't have time to just transact w with fucking laughs. Like I, 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 you have, we gotta be giving each other something. Right. And I could be mentoring you, you could be mentoring me. There's plenty of people. I have a team full of 53 sales reps and all 53 of those relationships are me mentoring them, giving away what I know, yep. you know what I mean? And a lot of them, I'm not even really necessarily making money on or I'm wasting my mm -hmm. time because they quit early and whatever. So yeah, um, yeah the whole point of that is like, I, I don't, I'm not trying to make money off everyone I know, but I'm not going to waste my time making deep rooted relationships with someone who's just a bum and doesn't want to make money it's or also, doesn't want to do things. And, and, build and, and it up. shouldn't yeah. sound like a selfish thing to do because when you are hanging out with someone and you're giving, 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 and they're taking, 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 that's draining. Oh my God. You cannot God. be around people like that. No. So draining. That's, nope. that would make them a parasite. A par yeah. The definition of a parasite is someone who takes without giving anything in return. Dude, and we're busy people, all of us. I got, I'm working 50, 60 hours a week. I wanna be yep. in the gym, I wanna do this, I wanna spend time doing this. So I don't have a lot of hours to just give out to do nothing with right. people. <laughs> like, we got missions, we got goals, yeah. things I'm trying to accomplish. So, you're, I have a, I work by a philosophy of like, there's nothing you'll ever do in your life that's neutral. Mm. You're never, you're either hurting or helping your cause, yep. or you're hurting or helping a relationship, or mm. you're hurting or helping a sale, or you're hurting or helping your body. There's nothing like, you don't just drink water and it does nothing for you. You drink water because it's good. Mm. You go to the gym because it's good. If you are not working, it's bad for you, which is okay. I'm not saying you can't have time off. You yep. can't be on vacations, but like there's no such thing as just, you're just neutrally, it's not a good or a positive or, or a negative. You know what I mean? Um, and I think that goes for everything in life. So sorry, that was a little bit off. Let's get off back topic. on track. So so we know your story now. Thanks for getting us back on track, by the way, all the time, dude. We would be screwed. <laughs> we I, would I don't be know where I would be. I'd be talking about I have an appointment Thursday at 9 a.m. tomorrow and I'm concerned we're not gonna make it if <laughs> I don't keep us on track. There um, we go. So we You're not gonna story. be able to get sober. Yo, or if you have I'm, that next drink, I'm already thinking about this. You're not gonna be able to this. have that next drink unless you finish these self steps. So I want to do step one through three we, in your fucking condo. <laughs> I don't even Come know down. what they are yet. I think I know the first I would one. Love, I would love to have you guys down in the city. We Seriously. might have to do that. We, uh, I built out. My cousin built out a loft in my bedroom, so like I have a bunk over my bed, like official, like not just like some crappy little like that thing is in the wall, like across the thing. Nobody lives up there, like. I got a couch that like reclines, got a couple recliners. Got a nice bed? Got a, so I got a Tempur-Pedic bed. Mm. It, it goes up, the legs go up, and then it massages. 
Listen, Ooh. don't tell me unless you're massages. serious. Oh, don't shit. tell me unless you're Some serious because I'm up there. That brings me to my no, next I'm point. Serious. I'm going to get us back on guys. track for the last fucking <laughs> time. We're anyway, your couch. Pooping. How's your couch? <laughs> <laughs> no, but we heard about... It reclines. <laughs> In the head, on the back of the head moves up and down. Okay. <laughs> I'm serious. Anyway, anyway. It's a nice, it's, we a, heard your it's story. a nice couch. Very nice couch. It's actually the finest Smooth couch you could, ever, you could ever wear. Use. We didn't get it from China. <laughs> made in America. Thank you. Thank you. It's the best couch. Great couch. All right. So we know your story. We know your mission. Now I have one last. Actually, it's not going to be my last question. I'm going to have another question after. But yeah. My one question. I don't think I, I made do it through my business, though. Is, oh, we're not. No. Where are we at? Talk about what is this? Your I need to like. Mission? I, I'm going to no, go through. Yeah. Let don't me go through the business yet. real don't quick. Without Let's talk them. more about the business. Okay, because I, I do want to get through that, and I have a big pitch tomorrow. Let that, me give like, you. The, let me give you the question for yeah, it. your I'll business right now. You've been doing it for a month and a half, two months. Sorry. Yep. You have the speaking gigs kind of set up. You said yep. by the end of this year, you want to be full time business. Full time. No more with the insurance company. What's the plan? What's the structure? What's the action? What What are you doing yep. day to day? So, right now, we're reaching out to people that we know. We're doing some not cold calls, but you know, leads. It's just reaching out to different administration from schools. Um, but we've seen that uh, most of the connections that we're making off the bat are from people that we've have some sort of knowledge of who we are, what we've done, because we've just. At first, our target was just prep schools in New York City, like up, you know, Westchester. Um, you know, all the, like the wealthy areas, just targeting those schools because like we, we're going to be doing coaching as well, life coaching. So we're getting certified life coaching mm. where we're just like a hundred hours of coaching you need to get done, a bunch of classwork time, all this stuff. So it takes a bunch of studying. It's actually like a legit accreditation. So we're doing that. We want to do life coaching. So at first, our first model was, okay, we're just going to speak. And then that's going to be the funnel for us getting life coaching clients. Then we were like, you know what, instead of, you know, it's, we have these couple places that we know we can speak at, get paid speaking events, and they know who we are. Why don't we create programs within those schools? Instead of just being mm. one-off people like what most people are doing, let's be the guys that are going to the school once a week. So right now, our model, which is gonna be our pitch to Ketchum High School tomorrow, which we've done a speech there already. They want us to come back and speak, and like we told them that we might wanna do some program stuff. They don't know exactly what we're about to hit them with. So we're looking to do like, once a week, we're in your school, um, and we basically, during the free period, during like the lunch hours, we want to be able to have a class that um, people can drop in on, or like maybe it's a requirement for them to take, whatever that is. And we're basically the first twenty minutes is like mindset learning, so we basically go over a podcast, you know, like some it'd be like Hormozy, Lewis Howes, you know, those type of guys going over a podcast, YouTube clip, something with mindset you know, talking about how that's applicable, how they can apply in their lives, get them to talk about it. And then the last 20 minutes is all gonna be goal building. So when we do our speeches, um, we, we have this little thing called WWHW, what, why, how, when. And so it's four words, little acronym, WWHW, that if you answer those questions can lead you to creating change in your life. So what, what do I need to change, right? That's the awareness. We're talking about it in my story, it's like, there were moments when I knew I had a problem, right? So I had the first step down for a bit, you know, like I got arrested a couple times, like, all right, probably knew it wasn't a great idea. So that is the beginning. But then the second is the why. It's like, that's once the why kicks in, it's like, I didn't really have the why right away. You know, yeah. it wasn't really, 
there wasn't really something that was so strong that would get me to stay away from a drink no matter what. And it's like, I finally had my why, which is just, I wanted to become the person that I dreamed about being. And I finally realized that that wasn't going to happen on the, just with keeping drugs and alcohol in my life and just the trajectory I was on. So that was my why. I knew that if I wanted to be the person in my dreams, you know, be successful, do things for people that I love, all these aspirations that I had, I needed to get sober. So it was that strong. How? I tried to do it on my own, right? I saw like, all right, let me willpower, willpower. It didn't work, didn't work. I finally reached out for help. Like that was the first step. And that's what we're teaching these kids is like, all right, you have the macro, the end goal, the ultimate vision, but break it down into micro, the micro, the, the first initial step. What mm -hmm. can you do right now today? And that's Smart, the when. creating actionable steps. Yep, that's the when is start now. Let's start today or start as soon as possible because why can't you work on, oh, you know, I, I ate unhealthy today. Like, why should I start now? It's like, okay, you ate unhealthy, but it doesn't mean your next meal has to be unhealthy. Or like, you know, you can't work out. To, let's say for some reason you literally can't work out today. Well, you can go on safari and look up a workout for tomorrow. You can learn about working out. Yeah. So we want to give these kids a formula, which we're gonna be doing through, a, you know, a skit in the beginning. Then we tell our, our lives from our low points. We started our low point. I was on the streets of Princeton and a cop grabbed my belt, you know, start from our low point. Then we give the example of what, why, how, when, and how that those distinct moments create change in our lives. And then we're gonna give them a couple of examples of how real life WWHW, like, you know, the extreme examples are our stories, the mental health and the substance abuse side. But then there's also just people that wanna create positive habits in their life. Like something that I wanna do on a personal level is become less reactive because I'm definitely a hothead. I'll be working on my computer or, you know, something's not going my way. And I'm like, mother, you know, like getting all pissed mm -hmm. at something, but it's like, what is me reacting that way? How does I, it serve you? It's not serving me at all. People say, oh, it's therapeutic to do that. Like, I guess, I, I feel like that's more so an to excuse. spike like, your cortisol levels? Yeah, sport, exactly, <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So for me, it's like, I know I can, if I have, if I'm cool, calm and collected, my head's gonna be clear. I can think a lot quicker in that moment and make the right move way faster than if I'm actually getting upset. So that's something I wanna work on, right? What? My reactivity. Why? Because I know it's affected me in the workplace. I know there's been moments in relationships where I've gotten heated and said things that I didn't wanna say that I know if I just sat there for a second, I wouldn't have said them. Stuff like that. So mm -hmm. I feel like I have pretty good motivation behind it. So it's a good why. How? Now, instead of being like, all right, I'm gonna live like a monk for the next, you know, like every single day, I'm gonna, nothing is gonna, Anthony just said I'm a piece of shit, I don't care. Like, no, I'm just, I'm, instead of trying to apply in every single area, I'm gonna start with one thing. What is one thing that really ticks me off? Well, okay, why not driving in the car? Getting mad in traffic, that's a Getting mad in traffic. Start. I'll start with, you know, when I get in the car, I'm gonna sit there, I'm gonna say, okay, you know what? I'm gonna focus on being less reactive while I drive today. You know, I'm not gonna focus on being, having no reaction because sometimes you know shit happens yeah but i'm you know i'm gonna start small with just when i'm in the car right and that's a good way for me to start with this and then when am i gonna do it uh yeah next month you know uh what's good next month now. is national anger issues month you know <laughs> uh, i'm gonna start today right now you know what i mean so we're gonna give some real life applicable examples you know skit form talking about it like that and then we say okay everybody pull out your phones and we're gonna show you, we're gonna lead you to this document. Before that, follow your boy in the gram, at Luke Tim, at Touch Streets. <laughs> and then there's gonna be a link that leads you to a Google Doc. 
And right now, we're gonna walk you through that what, why, how, when, every single kid that is in the crowd listening. They're gonna go through the steps, they're gonna send that form through, and then we have it coded so that when they send it through, it takes our logo, puts it at the top, and then it has what, why, how, when on the sides, and it puts it in nice formatting, sends it back to them in a PDF, mm. and they can take that with them forever. Nice. So whether they use that moment, and that's that, like we said, that kind of that bottom or just that experience that leads them to that change, maybe that speech is that awakening, and they have something physical to take away with them. But also maybe that isn't their moment, right? You know, I've listened to motivational speeches, it didn't work for me right away, but they will always have that little PDF, and they might go back to it like, why? Why can't I, I think there's a lot of people that were in my shoes, why can't I achieve the things that I want to achieve? Like I know I want to be a person that does special things and like has all these great experiences, but I'm just not getting to them. Why is that? It's like, okay, well, I'm not trying, I'm not doing anything differently. Let me take this formula that these guys gave me and try to utilize that. So we're, we're giving, we're, that's gonna be part of our speeches. And so that's, that's kind of the basis of the program. You know, there's gonna be a class once a week or the class are gonna run all day, but once a week we'll be in the school. Motivation, mindset stuff in the beginning. We all talk That's about it, discuss. powerful, dude. Last 20 minutes, we're gonna be go through the, you know, the what, why, how, when. The first day is gonna just get in and think about what, you know? Cause some kids don't even think about, they right. never think about change, right. right? It's like, why do I need to change? That's it's so like, powerful, man. You're gonna teach kids how to affect change in their own life. Like nobody, teaches you that in high school yeah. they just tell you what you should and shouldn't do right with they no tell you to hey maybe ask yourself why you why do it why that's never that's about. Huge, oh, bro, that's bro. the whole pr if so if we would ask why to everything we do in our lives we will be amazed at the answers we get yeah, if true. you ask yourself why why do i do this okay let, let's go let's go through an exam something why do i go to work why do i work here let's say you work at where do you work right now insurance why do i work at insurance give me an answer make good money because you make money why do you want to make good money uh because I, I like living in the city and i like to do cool things why do you like to do cool things um it's fun you know it doing stuff that other people aren't can't really do and just having experiences tell stories why do you want to have experiences and tell stories? What does that do for you? Um, you know, it's just when I'm in an environment, people are interested in me. Why do you want people to be interested in you? Mm, people are interested in me. It makes me feel important. You can go on this Why for hours, to, yeah. bro. You can go on this for hours. 100%. But there, there, there's like a supposed to be something special breakthrough about. I know. Yeah. There's Why supposed to be something special important? about Why would seven. Right. Well, then you really get to the question. Listen, Why do you was, want to feel important? Right. I was going to say there's something special about seven whys. That's like a thing. I don't know if, who it's from, but yeah, you have to I ask just why seven, seven times. Whys. And that was the seventh why was the next question. I Why just, do you want to feel important? Yeah. And why do you want to feel important? Because that's a rabbit hole right there. That's the we kind of talked about that in the beginning, right? I think yeah. it's a little bit of a little bit of ego. Everybody wants to feel special and yeah. important, but um, why do I want to be important? It's fulfilling. It's I think yeah, it's fulfilling. You you get respect. People like you, and I just you just like being the around. Good kind of ego, energy. bro. Yeah. The good kind of ego, exactly. like where we want to change people's lives yes. and change the world, bro. 100%. That's why at this. So we were talking about it a little bit before, but like the stress and the external forces to make you motivated, I needed that for so long. Mm. And I still do sometimes, like to get in really good shape, I had to tell myself, I'm gonna run a fucking marathon. Yeah. Because if I didn't say I'm gonna run a marathon, I wouldn't run every day. Right. So some things I still need like external exactly. big things. But then now my day-to-day -day and work, 
I've gotten to the point where now I'm I'm pulled to it. Like mm-hmm. I want to change people's lives, and I have this mission of helping as many people as I can, and helping to get people to escape the rat race and change their lives. Yep. Financially, their the whole uh, respect around work. I want to change people's uh, dynamic with work and 100%. the way they are with money. And so now. I don't need the external forces. I don't need the stress and the privilege. Definitely. But in the beginning, bro, it's so important to have that. Mm-hmm. I totally went back on the old tangent. I forgot where I was going at this point. But um, I think I like what you're talking about, the external stuff. I think just what's kept my sobriety so strong is like I talk about AA. I I probably only go to AA once a month. And I don't say that proudly. Like I don't really go to AA that much. Like. I just, I think I do enough. I think I, not enough, I don't like that word. I think I do a lot of stuff within the sobriety community that it's like the 12th, you're just giving back 12th step, you mm-hmm. know, you're just serving it back to others. That I'm, I just practice it in my life that, you know, I sound like I don't need AA, but I practice AA on a daily basis, the principles of it. Right. But I think the external things, like the things that I've built up about myself are what keep me sober. Cause it's like, I know I can tear those down so quickly. Like if I didn't make progress, I'd be like, what is the point? You know, if, and then if I don't have more progress to shoot for, like, what is the point? Yeah. You know, because I just see people like, a lot of people that like drink and work, like that's fine. Like, it's complacent. you know, drink and party. Like, yeah, you can, you know, make some money and whatever. But, you know, at the end of the day, it's like you just end up like anybody else that does that. There's nothing really cool about that to me yeah. where it's like, all right, like you go all in. It's the trap, You do bro. some amazing things, you know? Just go it's not work. just all about making money because I, you know, I know a lot of people that make a lot of money. It's like, all right, that's fine, but like your life doesn't seem that great to me. I mean, like you can do cool stuff like travel <laughs> all the time, and like that stuff is awesome. But yeah. you know, at the same time, it is kind of sad because it's just like that's wealth. Balls wealth is to be whole. Wealth is to have. You know, you could have money, but if you have a shitty body and you have bad relationships, you're not really wealthy. Wealth, you got to have money. You have to be spiritually well grounded. You have to be physically fit. You have to have good relationship with your kid, with your wife, with your friends. You know that's what it means to be wealthy, and that's what I'm. That's what I'm solving for. Mm. I'm not solving to. You look at a lot of billionaires. Well, let's not go to billionaires. It's a different level. You look at a lot of millionaires, multimillionaires. A lot of them have fucked up lives. Mm. Like, and that's the whole stigma why money doesn't matter and why oh I wouldn't want to be that guy. And you know how much he had to sit in an office for eighty hours a week. That's because the stigma around millionaires and people with money is their life sucks. Yep. It doesn't have to be that way. You choose the way you want it to be, and I'm choosing to do it the right way, just as you are, you know, where you're not killing yourself over work. You're working for something that you actually love and care about. So you do it the right way, inspires you to be better in every category. You know, when I started, when I was running the marathon, I worked harder in at work because I was motivated more because I ran, got up and ran nine miles. Yeah. And so mm. I'm like, I'm going to the fucking office. You yeah, know? Yeah, yeah. It wasn't the other way around where I would run nine miles and go home. Right. Now I'm motivated oh, now to, I go have to go work. Yeah. Uh. Now I'm hyped up. I'm like, yo, yeah. I'm motherfuckers, you know? Right. It's all, it's an all in all out mentality, right? It's like, once you're doing more, it's like, it makes you motivated to do more. It's like, oh man, do you have too much going on? It's like, that's just, that's right in my more shit on my plate. Yes. I need more on my yes. plate. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Whenever I'm busy, give me more shit yeah. to do. <laughs> good. You know, it's like, you ever Jocko listen to Willink. Jocko Good. No, I always say that at work, like we're just a bunch of bullshit all the time with our systems and whatever. I could go on and on, but uh, sometimes I just, I'm just like, good. Like it is a joke, but at the same time, it puts my head in a different spot. Like, all right, it doesn't really matter. Just do it. A hundred percent, dude. Head into the storm. No, but back on the business. So that's going to be our model for the schools. 
we're pitching a catching tomorrow. And then our goal is to get three schools by the, the beginning of the school year. If we get one um, with, the, you know, with our speeches, we'll make enough money to quit. Because we, we put our expenses together. Like, what does it cost to live in the city to pay my mortgage? And like, he pays me rent. My cousin, he lives with me, so he pays me rent. So like, we put all our expenses together. Like, how much do we, you know, like Harmozy talks about, uh, just uh, reverse engineering, yeah. right? Starting with how, mm. what, are, what are all the things we have and how do we work backwards to get to where we want to Solve for it, yeah. Yep. So we know how much we need to make. It's like, all right, if we, even if we just did one in school, one day a week, and then we had our speakings on the side, We'll, we'll be able to do it. So I th we think by the beginning, no, I keep thinking, no. By the beginning of the school year, we know. we're going to quit our job. Good. And then, so going back to this, he went to that center, crappy experience. Um, I never had to go to rehab, but I've been very in tune with the sobriety community. And when I moved to the city, that was when I was trying to figure out what I want to do. I'm like, I know I want to do something in sobriety. Why don't I reach out to some sober people that have some centers and whatnot. So I actually linked up with this guy who was, uh, he was a 20 year um, in investment banking for 20 years. He's a managed director at this investment banking firm called Lazard, like one of the top I've banks in the world. You know, Lazard? Lazard. Run yeah. by lizards? Yeah, basically. The lizard people, baby, we Lazard. talk about that all the time. So he was going through addiction <laughs> and whatnot and came out on the other end and ended up quitting his job a couple years later and he started these centers. And like investment bankers, like these guys are, you're making hand money hand over fist. Like yeah. that's, investment banking is the guaranteed track to become a millionaire. Like if you just stick into it, if you just do that job, like there's no really other jobs that can guarantee you to be a millionaire. Solar. Um, that's true, but <laughs> but you have to like, I mean, I guess in investment banking, you obviously have to push yourself to like, because it's like 100 hour work weeks, but it's just like the system itself, like solar, there's something about it where you have to actually go out and like motivate yeah. yourself where it's like yeah. the investment banking is like if you just stay in it like yeah you have to do the work but you're there's Get the job also, and stick the around. track it's like the track is like all you have to do is follow the track and it might be a hundred hour a week track and you have to be pr like pretty smart you have to be amazingly smart people think like oh my gosh you're crunching numbers you do the same type of um formulas over and over, over and over again whatever you know what i mean it's not, mm -hmm. nothing that crazy but it's like a guaranteed track to be a millionaire whatever i'm getting off on a tangent and so he quits his thing. Solar in there, <laughs> fucked them all up. <laughs> I'm like, wait a second, because like solar, it's not like you know, you got to you got to go out and you have to do. It's not like I don't know. I don't, I'm trying to compare it. It's like even my job though. It's like if I just stayed in my job and did it for a long time, that doesn't guarantee. I promise me. you, solar's solar to me is the same as investment banking mm. in that category. Solar to me is the exact same as investment banking. I've seen so many people. I've seen people that I think like, it's a less guarantee. Let me like, rich, I don't, I think it's just less guarantee. Like yeah, a lot of yeah. people fall out. They fail in solar. But right? how many people, people fail in investment banking? I don't know. I have some people drop, people drop out for sure. Yeah. But it's like, if you just stay in, if you can stay in investment banking, you're guaranteed long money. enough. Yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? Like yeah. I think solar, you have to actually like, there's something like almost better about it. It's like, you have to actually go out and get yours. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? Like yeah. to make Definitely sales, have to apply yourself. Yeah. No. I get what you mean. It's hard to say what, exactly what you mean, but I get it. Like investment banking, if you stay in it for the period, it's it's literally you're yeah. guaranteed to be. Like if you just stay in solo, I'm just like I'm gonna follow Zach. Like, like you can't just follow, like you can't just come to the meetings. Like you got to yeah. go out and actually like correct. You know yeah. what I mean? So yeah. yeah, I think it's just investment banking is just like it's like a hamster wheel, and if you just say running the wheel, you're gonna do it. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? Like, mm -hmm. but I know what you mean. Same deal with solar. So like mm -hmm. I go, I get what you're saying at the same time. 
But anyway, I don't know what type of tangent that was. But this guy, <laughs> <laughs> sorry, this, these reels are gonna be hard to edit. You're gonna have to go through like <laughs> 10 fucking minutes later. You're like, God damn it. But um, he has these centers in Connecticut and I ended up getting linked up with him. And so I got to start to understand um, the, the, the business model that he was running. Like I got to ask him about all his operations, like how he got started, what his numbers were. So basically like he does sober living homes. Um, they're called, uh, yeah, they're called uh, recovery community centers. Basically after you get out of rehab, you've heard of halfway houses. Yep. Mm -hmm. Halfway houses, their model is basically like you stuff a bunch of guys in a house and like, you know, they, they're four to a room kind of deal. It's not a pretty place. No. Recovery center, it's basically recovery for the wealthy. I don't want to say it's just for the wealthy, but you know, it's out of pocket. It's like, but it's, it's, it's a holistic experience. Like they're, you know, they're super hands-on. You're with like-minded individuals. It's a really nice place. It's like the upscale model essentially for halfway house. Cause halfway house is like, you're okay. You pay a couple hundred bucks a month and you're living in a shack. You know, it's, it's a halfway house that works because it's paid for. Yeah. Like, yeah, it's, it's I mean, expensive. Listen, but if you put money into stuff, it just works better. That's yeah. how it works. Uh, it's it's hundred percent true. So started to learn about that. And I'm like, what stops us from opening one of those? Like what, like, okay, I, mean, I don't have a lot of money, but what stops somebody from giving me money to open one of those? Right. Um, so our goal is to our, we're going to have the money raised by 1231 to open a center in New York city or somewhere within that area that whether it's have the money raised, somebody gives us a house to use, whatever it is, because people are, you know, you never know how it's going to come. By especially any with, means. With, with, especially in this community, people just love to give, not even necessarily money. Like they love to give their time, love to give their advice. Love, you know, like I've met rich, sober billionaires. Like they might just want to like give us a house to use. It's you know what I mean? Set. By 1231, 23, we'll be in the works of opening one of our own centers, but it's not called the recovery center. It's called the elevation center. So basically we're applying all those principles that we would be doing in that classroom, teaching people about mindset. And it's all just, it's about building yourself up. How can I build myself up physically, mentally, spiritually? So it's, you know, there's gonna be some sort of fitness stuff involved, just health in general, um, learning new skills, whatever type of skill you wanna learn, right? Like it can be, you know, how to, how to make money, how to handle your finances. It could also just be like learning how to play the piano, you know, forming hobbies and passions, right? I think there's the difference between the centers that, I was going to with that guy is like they're older people and those people their problems are a little different in the sense that they already are high level people like they're high level people that just have an alcohol and addiction problem like they can they still know how to make money though and like they have those habits ingrained functioning alcoholics yeah where it's like kids that are in that stage are usually like it it takes up more of their lives so there's yeah, I mean, like how are you going to be the mindset needs to be developed more you know? right it's different it's a different type of mindset development where we think we would excel in that type of stuff compared to like somebody who's older, like same deal. You know, we relate on that level. We right. just went through it. Right. And we, we, you know, we have the passion and you know, we've been helping people for a long time. So who's to say that we can't do it. So our goal is to open those type of centers. Um, and you know, we want to have one, you know, be in the works of one, like have some sort of deal in line by the end of the year. That would be huge. Yeah. That'd be incredible. You yeah. can affect a lot of lives with that. And then what is it like a, they're in there for a couple months. Or? Yeah, so, you know, usually it's stuff like this is 90 days is usually like a good, it would probably be like monthly, you know, case by case. There might be some people who, you know, you get the people that 
my son's in trouble, you know, kind of like what I was. It's like, all right, like he needs to get his life on track. Maybe it's just 30 days, you don't know. But there's other people that are way in way deeper like that, you know, that need the rehab, they need the therapy, you know. And like, we're not out here trying to be therapists. Like my cousin and I, like we're not doctors. We don't, you know, we can't, like, we can help you, but we're not gonna like give you medical advice, you know mm -hmm. what I mean? So there's different, we have to know our boundaries, but we can teach you mindset. We can get you pushed in the right direction and give you accountability, put you in. Like, a lot better than medication. A lot better than medication. Yeah, that sounds better than what some Mindset over do. medication, you hear me? <laughs> I like that, I you like that. Me? Yes, sir. <laughs> Just getting people in that type of environment where it's a bunch of dudes that are trying to better themselves. Like that sounds pretty freaking awesome to me. It's like, you just get thrown into a house and it's like, you're gonna be with 12 other dudes that are just like you who are all trying to just learn new cool things, like pick up a language. It's like I'm learning powerful. It's like a badass TikTok house. Yeah, yeah, basically <laughs> a TikTok house, but self make it self-improvement yeah, and make yeah. it on your grind. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Dude, sure. your environment matters so much. When we built so this, much. we didn't have, we weren't always uh, uh, in this studio where we are now with my office upstairs. We had a meeting, you know, I don't know, seven months ago, eight months ago, and we're like, dude, let's build my solar office on top of your studio and let's be together all the time. So smart. Do you know how much work we're gonna get no, done? No, 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 I had that idea and everyone was like, that's the dumbest fucking okay, idea whatever. ever. Was it? You was wanna it tell idea? the whole fucking story? We can start oh. at the top. No, we don't have to start <laughs> the whole story. I said, we should fucking have Nobody everything said it was all a dumb idea. Building. You guys are like, that's stupid. Negative. And then I it was said, the best idea ever. Pretty sweet. Whatever. Whatever you wanna say, I never said it was a bad idea, but we don't need to go on that tangent. Anyway, yes, we're all here now, all the all together, all the time, all so wanting cool, to work. Love it. And bro, it, it's it's escalated everything we do by tenfold. You know what it's I mean? True. When you're around like-minded people and everybody wants to go in the same direction, yeah. it's pretty easy to and go dude, that direction. Even yep. as self-motivated as I am, and as by myself, when you go to an office by yourself every day. It's kind of fucking boring and you kind of lose. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I go in motivated and like four hours in, I'm like, I'm fucking bored in here, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you I mean, gotta need some people, some energy. I, I like working in the office, like most definitely. People are like, oh man, I wish we were remote more. I'm like, I like, Fuck that. I like being around people. Like it's, it's crazy. You know, like I don't understand how people just like live, working remote. It's because, you, you know, when you're remote, things you get- work. Yeah, you don't work. work. <laughs> Elon Musk is like people want to work remote because they don't want to work. It's yeah. very like, simple. Everybody get back Absolute in the office. Truth. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, you can, you can't hide if you're in the office. Yeah. So like that's I like working in the office because you're interacting with people. You're the the mentors that you yeah. need are are right there. Mm -hmm. You know, like the bosses that I have, all super knowledgeable in the industry. Like, if I wanted to be, you know, the the next billionaire in insurance, I feel like I could do that. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? But that's just not really where my focus is. Like I do my job and I do it well, but I'm also, I think I go above and beyond, but I don't go above, beyond and beyond. You mm -hmm. know, to the point where it's like, okay, I could do it till nine o'clock. Cause you have a real passion though. Yeah. But how you do one thing is how you do everything. So mm -hmm. you're not gonna half-ass it. You're still right. working your ass off at it, but you really want, you're, you're solving for another problem. Exactly. You know? I'm not coming up with, I'm doing my job and I'm doing it well, but there's, you know, I feel like if I was really like, I wanna climb this ladder, it would be, you know, let me come up, let me pull data from these different aspects of our business and like come up with new ways, like new analytics for us to like sell insureds on why our program is better. And like, mm -hmm. I've thought of ideas like that before, but I'm like, 
Okay, that's gonna take me so much time. It's and like New York City talk right there. And I, <laughs> and I don't, I don't have the passion. Like that's not what I don't want to be in insurance forever. You know what I mean? Like, what's your title there? I'm an underwriting assistant. Okay. So I basically I have a senior underwriter above me. Um, I take the submission comes in. You know, it has the whole account, financials, loss history, their prior policies. All right, you lost me. Stop. All this stuff, <laughs> insurance wise. I analyze it, I put it in our systems, I break it down, you know, I just basically summarize it and then I will note a bunch of sh stuff. I'm like, okay, Guy well. Guy fell off a fucking ladder, 2013. Yeah, exactly. And like you analyze the losses, like, okay, shock losses can happen. Like people can fall off ladders, that's fine. But if you see some different a types pattern. of patterns where like maybe there's late reporting, like they reported it three months later and they've done that multiple times. Well, that's why are they reporting it late? Like that's messing up how we would handle the case. Like. You have to look at little intricate things like that. I feel like I'm at the point where I can analyze my smaller, my own small accounts. They don't think I'm there yet. I, you know, I would like to get a couple bones, but I also don't care that much because I know it's not permanent. It's not your yeah. I mean, yeah. So, All right, Tony. Why don't you hit us with? Well, I got two. Your favorite question. Oh, you because got one more? There's no way. Oh. There's no way we're not sitting here all night and not talking about Spider Man and the Screech. That's right. Oh. Tell me about the Spider Man. Spider -Man. <laughs> I love the Spider Man. What's your superpower, What's baby? What's your thought process Let's with that? Go. Why the Spider Man? Okay, so with Touch Streets, I knew I wanted to do something on the streets of New York City. I was like, my first idea was I'm going to go out with a mural, a blank mural. This was months before. And just you know, get people to answer a bunch of questions like, you know, what is one attribute of yours that, you know, makes you tough or just ask them random questions. What is something you're grateful for? And like creating paintings with it essentially um, that people from the streets made themselves. And like that was my first idea, touch streets. And then I was like, you know, my cousin and I came together and I was like, why don't we just like work out on the street, make videos about it and just talk to people and see what happens, you know? And so I bought this like portable pull-up dip bar set for like 600 bucks, or like breaks down and comes apart and then it, it's, it's pretty cool. But we, we just go into the middle of, uh, it's called Union Square. It's uh, like kind of lower Manhattan. Um, it's a little like less touristy, more New Yorkish. And we just had a pull-up bar, a dip bar, push-ups, and we would just be working out there and we had a, an A-frame sign and we were just like, wanted to tell our stories to people, anybody that came up, asked them if they wanted to make change in their lives and try to like basically do many life coaching What's sessions. What's the sign on the spot. say? Um, do you want to create a change in your life? Ask us how we can help, something like that. And then what, why, mm. how, one on the bottom. Like that. Something like that. It was, it was cool, like, don't get me wrong, but at the same time, like, I was really having to go out of my way to get people to come up to us. Like we, I thought it was gonna be like, oh, people are gonna see us working out and just be like, see two buff dudes working out and be like, oh, why are you guys doing that? Yeah, it's but just New York. They see a lot of crazy people, shit. Yeah, people <laughs> see a lot of crazy shit. People are busy. And also like you see two six foot five dudes dressed in all black, like you and just working out, you're like, we're probably look kind of intimidating. You know what I mean? So it was me just being super- One's this, bald. One is, <laughs> one is bald and- uh, <laughs> yeah, they, you know, and tatted up. <laughs> Very tatted up. Hey, so, you are tatted up. So, uh, oh shit, Kurt. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, I'm like, I'm on his level, you know? So get, get your levels up. You have the want... left arm, right leg? Left arm, right leg. I'm oh, man. Me Let's too. go, <laughs> dude. Hey, I got carbon fiber leg. Fuck those <laughs> <guys>. <laughs> My whole leg ain't even a leg. My shit is metaled up. Yeah. Basically, 
I was one day we're out in the middle of the city working out and this dude called New York City Rat, I think his name is, pulls up with the mask, super famous on TikTok, millions of followers. And all of a sudden there's like a hundred people around him. And we're like, dude, we're trying to raise awareness around substance abuse, mental health. And all of a sudden this weird rat dude has a hundred people surrounding him with cameras. And I'm like, yo guys, I'm like to my cousin, I'm like, dude, would it be crazy if we just like wore Spider-Man suits and we were kind of like the meme, like yeah. Spider-Man meme and we just worked out in the streets. And it was like, Fuck. He's like, yeah, yeah, I guess it is crazy, but our whole motto is extreme results require extreme action. So we're like, dude, if we just do crazy stuff that people yeah, have no balls baby. to do. If they don't have the balls to do it and we do it, we're gonna be successful. We just keep doing it. All right, so that. So we're like, dude, dress up in Spider-Man suits, work out. We did it last weekend. Hundreds of people. I'm telling you, hundreds of people recording. Tens of people just coming up to us, like just wanted to talk to last us. Last weekend was the first time you did it? Yeah, the first time we did oh, it was wow. last weekend. You got That's a lot awesome. of footage from We did, oh, dude. It's too much footage from just one day. Yeah. It's like enough for 15 videos, you know what I mean? 15 TikToks. I know a it's guy nuts. if you need editing. So really interesting that Where? you just <laughs> said that. <laughs> interesting that you just said that if you want extreme results, you have to do extreme things. The last guy we had on our podcast, Danny, Danny Izzo, mm. he's, the last question I asked him is, you know, if you have a message to anyone out, in the world, what's your message? And he said, you have to do the things that nobody else will do, because that's how you stand out. So it's just weird that that was your answer to the last question I had, but I do have to ask you as Run well, what is your message to everybody out there at the end of the day? Hmm. And we'll end it on that. You live one time, and it's cliche, you live one time. And I know life, you know, we have to go through and enjoy it but why not go achieve the biggest things? Like the things that people tell you is impossible. Why don't you just tear down those limiting beliefs and mm. do the things that nobody believes you can do? Because the first step is just believing yourself. And if you believe in yourself and you put action towards that belief, everything's gonna come to fruition. It might not come to fruition how you exactly plan it's gonna come to fruition, but it's going to happen one way or another and ways that you will never even imagine it. Like, I didn't think I'd be wearing a Spider-Man suit working out in the streets of New York City right now. I'll tell you that, <laughs> I'll tell you that. But that's what we're doing. And so far it's the feedback's been like, I'm before I was kind of like, ah, do I really want to work out on the street? Like, I'm like, all right, let's do it. Like, yes, we have to do it. Now I'm like, I can't wait to be out in my freaking Spider-Man suit, being a jackass on the street, telling my story, <laughs> you know? So just extreme actions require extreme results. Go out and just do things that you're, that give you a little bit of fear, that you're a little like uncomfortable to do. Do uncomfortable things, run towards it, because then you'll live the life beyond your wildest dreams. Beautiful. I can't agree more, bro. Everything, what is this saying that was just said the other day? Shit, shit. Everything that you want is on the other side of discomfort or uh, something yeah, like that. That's right on par, right there. Yeah, something like that. But Luke, thanks for coming on the podcast. This was a pleasure. Guys, dude. That was a great it podcast. It was awesome, seriously.